Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. I don't want us to lose sight that things are getting better. Each successive generation uh, seems to be making progress in changing attitudes when it comes to race. doesn't mean we're in a post-racial society. It doesn't mean that racism is eliminated. But, you know, when I talk to Malia and Sasha, uh, and I listen to their friends, and I see them interact, they're better than we are. They're better than we were on these issues. And that's true in every community uh, that I've visited all across the country. Some junior ROTC cadets at Lake Brentley High School are accused of racially taunting their instructor, and it drove the Air Force Master Sergeant to resign. The principal confirmed to investigative reporter Darlene Jones that racist and degrading comments were uncovered on a social media group chat. But Darlene found out the students are still on campus. The students here at Lake Brantley have been disciplined, but the principal nor district officials would tell us how, citing student privacy laws. The principal did tell me that he doesn't take this kind of thing lightly, and the discipline handed out reflects that. I would safely say that enough wasn't done. And that's being kind. Campus photos show the pride of the junior ROTC program at Lake Brantley High School, home of the Patriots. Among the crowd at dismissal, we found one of the few students in the elite program who knew exactly why we were on campus. There was some drama with some bad cadets who just decided they wanted to run their mouth in a group chat jokingly, and it wasn't taken as a joke. I mean, it's sad to see, and I don't blame him for leaving. The master sergeant was one of only a handful of black teachers. He kind of inspired me to kind of keep where I was in RHC. We're told the racist comment started in September, but the principal told us he wasn't made aware of those issues and didn't find out there was a problem until January. He wanted to have a meeting with the students and the parents of the program and have kind of like a discussion. And, you know, so, so things are open. Um, he told me that it was deemed not to be a good idea because that could possibly make a bigger deal out of it. Direct messages were found on Instagram. Someone wrote the master sergeant needed to be tarred and feathered. He was even called the N-word. The principal says immediately after he was alerted, the students were disciplined. On the MLK holiday, a sign on his classroom door made reference to a slogan used by white nationalist groups. I can't in my mind come up with justice, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me they shouldn't be in that school. I mean, education is required, but it's also your location is a privilege. Although we weren't able to speak directly with the master sergeant today, the union president told us that he plans to go on to school and get his master's degree to figure out what he will do next. Reporting in Altamont Springs, Darlene Jones, Channel 9 Eyewitness News. 
y'all feeling the pressure? Got y'all feeling the pressure? Fonte feeling the pressure? Feeling the pressure? Got y'all feeling the pressure? Big Coop feeling the pressure? So feel the pressure. Can you feel that? That tight grip round your neck, nigga. That's pressure, nigga. Yeah, they're now revealing that the shooter was racially harassed here at Molson Coors. They said a noose was placed on his locker five years ago, but the person who placed it there was never discovered. Nearly one week after the Miller Brewery mass shooting, when Anthony Farrell killed five co-workers and then himself, Molson Coors is only shedding some light onto a history of racial discrimination against Farrell. There was a new sound in an employee's locker five years ago, 2015. Uh, the employee was actually not at work that day. It was an off day. Our team found it. Brought it to his attention. Molson Coors says an investigation never uncovered who placed the noose on Farrell's locker, but did say that any type of discrimination is unacceptable. But as for how the shooting unfolded last Wednesday, still no details though that you can give us. Still no details. Yeah, the, the police have asked us not to engage in speculation. Molson Coors would not answer my questions about alleged continued racial harassment against Farrell, what type of guns he used, how the shooting unfolded, or if any of the victims were targeted. I'll be honest with you, Adam, there are a lot of unanswered questions that the police department, they're not answering, the city's not answering, that your company isn't answering. Um, and there are a lot of frustrated people because of that. Our commitment is to working with law enforcement, to working with the detectives, to working with the police department, who have been fantastic partners, to uncover those, to answer those, and get to the bottom of what happened, why it happened, and how it happened. So we can all get the answers that we all want. Well, Caroline, other than confirming that noose incident, what did they tell you? Well, they told me that they are working with their employees on this racial discrimination. Uh, they did say that they were uh constantly dedicated to not having that going on at the company, but that they do have more work to do. They also said they're working with employees on giving them the help they need, trauma specialist therapy, so they can all come back to work and be fully operational by the end of the week. And real quick, he did also thank the community for the outpouring of love and support that they've all received. Yesterday's shooting at Molson Coors marks the deadliest mass shooting in Wisconsin since the Sick Temple shooting in Oak Creek in 2012. Businesses, schools, police, and fire departments all prepare for events like this, but the hope is that they'll never happen. Reggie Moore is the director of Milwaukee's Office of Violence Prevention. He spoke with WUWM's Mayan Silver last night just after leaving the scene in the Miller Valley. He describes what it was like and how his office tries to prevent and prepare for such horrific events. Yeah, I want to f uh, thank you for having me. I want to first start off by offering um, my thoughts and condolences to all of the families and coworkers and community that will be impacted um, by the events that transpired today. Um, the scene is, you know, definitely full of uh, emergency personnel, ATF, FBI, as well as neighbors um, and people who are concerned about loved ones who work inside the company, and so. You know, although it's not an active threat scene at the moment, it is definitely an active scene um, filled with media and, and community folks and emergency personnel. And so what was the response like? Do you have any idea about that, MPD, DOJ, federal agents? Yeah, definitely seems to be all hands on deck. Um, I, I can't think of an agency that I didn't see out there. So definitely um, folks in tactical gear, 
EMTs, fire department. And what's the role that the Office of Violence Prevention plays in planning for these horrific circumstances? Right. So we have actually been a part of efforts around preparing for the DNC and potential events that could occur related to that. On a day-to-day basis in the Blueprint for Peace, we definitely talk with organizations and companies about workplace violence. In fact, I was speaking this morning um, to the Business Improvement District and Neighborhood Improvement District staff members at a forum this morning and talked about the fact that Safe workplaces is an important you know, issue and, and has impacted companies throughout our community, but not on this scale. This is likely the largest mass casualty in a single company incident that we've had in the city of Milwaukee. And how does a city like Milwaukee or a company like Molson Coors or any company around this area prepare for something like that or or deal with that? We've seen quite a few companies, um, in addition to schools, who have basically done active shooter drills. And so, you know, we hope that companies are engaging in these sort of activities to prepare um, any unfortunate um, event where something like this happens. We obviously want to do everything to prevent it. We encourage companies to have um, employee assistant programs because, again, you know, as human beings, we all, you know, experience some level of trauma and stress. Um, It's my understanding that this individual recently lost his job at the company. And so, again, just ensuring that we're doing everything to show empathy, compassion, and offer services and supports before something like this happens, but also ensure that staff know what to do if an unfortunate incident like this occurs. And how do you think those unfolded today? Like, do you think there was any way for anybody to find anything out, or is it just too soon to know that? I mean, based on media reports and just things that I've heard, um, that there were over a 1,000 employees in the company at the time um, on the campus. Um, And many of those employees um, sheltered in place, um, and the entire facility or campus was put on lockdown. And so, you know, and it's my understanding that the shooter is deceased, and that he returned to the campus after... um, losing his job, I'm not sure if it was today or several days ago, but returned to the company and opened fire. And so um, it's my understanding this was isolated to one building on campus. But again, all of these details are preliminary. And how do you how do people intercede if they know that something is, is afoot with somebody that they know? Like how do loved ones and family and friends step in for something like this to try to prevent it? Right. If you know... Um, And again, whenever, as human beings, whenever significant life changes happen, whether it's a divorce or a loss of a job or a loss of of a loved one or some other significant event, that's when we're typically most vulnerable. And so it's critically important that we look out for people in our lives and that we pay attention and support people through those transitions. And so we've seen across the country where disgruntled employees based on these types of incidents, may commit acts of violence. So it's really being sensitive to the support that employees and their families need during these types of transitions. But again, these are extremely hard to predict um, and get ahead of. And that's why we talk a lot about violence prevention being everybody's responsibility, because these things are extremely random and rare. But unfortunately, when they do happen, impacts so many people. And what is the role that the city and city officials and city law enforcement and and every agency in the city can play as a, to stem the violence? I think we all have to take responsibility and look out for each other, look out for our communities, look out for our neighbors. You know, we've had a series of domestic violence incidents in the city over the past few weeks. And so just ensuring that, again, that we understand that violence and peace is everybody's business, is everybody's concern. Um, And so the more that we can um, not just be bystanders, but upstanders and to intervene in a safe way, to provide support, to ask people questions, 
and to really, you know, ensure that people get connected to the support that they need and not, you know, turn a blind eye or act like I don't see this person in trouble. I don't see this person in distress. I don't see this incident increasing in terms of an argument. Those are all things that we have to pay attention to and try to get ahead of with people that are close to us. And is that something that the Blueprint for Peace could change at this point, or do you feel like you had the proper channels and everything at this point set up? So research shows that one violent incident can affect up to 200 people. And so uh, most in Coors, um, in the history that it's had in this community, we all know someone who likely works there. So we're all impacted and concerned about what happens to the folks who work there and the family and friends who are connected to those people. And so we have to do everything possible to, again, to wrap our arms around them and to support them during this time. Um, but again, the blueprint for peace is primarily, you know, on the prevention side. But we understand that incidents like this unfortunately happen, um, just as well as community-based violence. And so it's not just about being preventative. It's also about being responsive, being trauma-informed, being healing-informed, um, and, and really being vocal about the fact that, you know, not just about our sorrow, but our expectation that this doesn't happen here. This can't happen here in the future. And so we have to do everything possible to prevent the next tragedy uh, from happening. And do you think anything could have prevented this? That's hard to say at this point. You know, as information is still coming in, we don't have details about the shooter or, um, you know, what led up to this incident. But again, um, assuming that, you know, um, there was a mental health crisis, perhaps. Um, and again, like I said earlier, that, um, you know, high stress situations like this can be very vulnerable and volatile um, points in, of time in a person's life. And so ensuring that we're showing compassion and empathy and also ensuring that um, if we see a person struggling or in crisis or plotting some level of violence, that we're providing support, that we're notifying the proper authorities, that we're doing everything possible to prevent these things from being followed through on. And with these mass shootings that get a lot of media attention, some people say that the shootings can be almost contagious in, in a way, possibly, that, that, that when news organizations report casualty figures in boldface, maybe an attacker could try to one-up each other. Is that something that you prepare for or worry about? Well, I've seen recently in the past couple of years, particularly as it relates to the school shootings, that they don't report the individual's name for that very reason, because they're not trying to ascribe any sort of fame or notoriety to this individual. And so, again, regardless of the twisted rationale that could lead somebody to commit a mass act of violence, our hope is that this does not become contagious. This does not become a new normal. And it hasn't been in our city as it relates to corporate or company level shootings. And so we have definitely seen this in other cities and that our hope is that, you know, understanding the, the sorrow, the sadness that these types of acts of violence causes that actually deters people from making these acts and encourages people to really look out for each other. And again, report to the proper authorities and to ensure that that person gets the counseling and support that they need before anything escalates to this point. So you think a way to stop potential copycat incidents and or any incidents whatsoever is to just keep an eye out for your fellow human being to be in people's lives, to check out for one another, to make sure that people get help if they need help. Absolutely. Kind of yeah, absolutely. Don't don't ignore red flags or warning signs. And, and oftentimes 
we may feel like something's not our business. And, you know, if it leads to a tragic incident, like what we've seen today, that is a responsibility that we have to bear as, as a society and as a human race. And so, again, to your point, definitely looking out for each other, um, making the phone calls that need to be made if you know that there's a credible threat that could be followed through on, um, even if you're not sure that it could be followed through on. If somebody's threatening to shoot up a company, a school, uh, a faith um, institution, any place, um, that should definitely be communicated to authorities urgently. Where would somebody go if they notice somebody with red flags and they want to do something about it? Right. I, I think if they, if someone noticed somebody you know, in crisis or or struggling. I mean, there's um, the Behavioral Health Division at Milwaukee County um, has a crisis response line. Um, if that person doesn't want to get help and you are confident that they have both the means, the intention, and the plan to follow through on a violent incident, at that point, you should definitely call the authorities. And what about for people who are just coping with a tragic incident that happened at Molson Coors, like that that they have family members, they have friends that have just been involved in this, whether they were casualties or they just know somebody? Right. Before I left the scene, um, the chaplaincy program um, was there and, you know, there was a staging area for family um, and friends and and concerned, you know, residents to actually meet up with employees as they're being um, released from the facility. And so, again, the support has to happen immediately. And so very thankful for the Salvation Army chaplaincy program and the work that they do in responding to these scenes. Um, we, you know, as the City of Milwaukee Health Department, um, will definitely reach out to corporate leaders of Molson Corps and ensure that they are aware um, of the connections that we can make to mental health services and supports. And so that's definitely something that we want to promote. Thank you, Reggie Moore, for speaking about this. Thank you for having me. Reggie Moore is the director of the City of Milwaukee's Office of Violence Prevention. He spoke with WUWM's Mayan Silver last night, just hours after the shooting at Molson Coors. Context of White Supremacy Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date... Friday, March 6th, 2020, so I have been told. This is our weekly broadcast on neutralizing workplace racism, not for spectators. Uh, said last week, uh, at this time last week, we were uh, about, what, hours uh, after the Wisconsin Molson Coors Brewery shooting, six fatalities in total. And I said last week, that incident right there is further evidence of why we have this program every single week, why I think this is so critically important uh, that we discuss this issue. This is such a consistent problem uh, for black people all over the world uh, to be able to take time uh, to address this uh, as a serious issue. Uh, Everything about what you just heard how serious things can get uh, with regards to workplace racism. Uh, Before we get into that, get calls from listeners, suggestions, perhaps, if folks have figured out some things that work well. Update. Forgot the last time. uh, Well, we were on the broadcast yesterday, but we had the book club, and, you know, that takes up different focus. Uh, But we were on the broadcast uh, this past weekend, compensatory call-in. That was the deadline for the Toronto Counter-Racist Yoga Retreat. 
and we sold out no space in fact overbooked a little bit uh, for May 21 through May 24th looking forward to being north of the border plant-based meals yoga enjoying good times uh, this spring in Toronto uh, the genesis for the Toronto retreat was while we were in Florida at the end of last year and thinking of other possible locations that would be feasible where people would be interested in going to hang out we could get to without you know it costing a whole lot uh, in addition to Toronto said hey Washington DC lots to do that was a big part of the attraction lots to do in Washington DC they have the uh, African American Museum of History and Culture and the Library of Congress they have that new exhibit on Rosa Parks with her uh, yoga mat and such uh, Dr. Welsing's residence and uh, her former students many of them are there we could perhaps rendezvous just lots of things in addition to being in the nation's capital during the summer of an election year lots of cool reasons to be in DC so that is the plan uh, if we can make it to Toronto unscathed and uh, folks are not piping mad about the festivities there the goal is to go to Toronto have a grand time and then look to be in Washington DC this summer August 5th through the 9th that is a Wednesday through a Sunday instead of the normal Thursday through Sunday doing Wednesday just because it's so much to do uh, again the primary focus would still be a retreat to nourish unwind relax uh, and have a constructive time with other victims of racism but we could step out for a moment briefly especially if we're there Wednesday through Sunday we could definitely take a day or two and step out briefly and do some counter-racist experiments study uh, in the nation's capital and then we go back to doing our retreat do a little yoga relaxation have some yummy plant-based vittles but August 5 through August 9 Washington DC the details are posted on my blog I sent out an email today if you would like information feel free to drop an email I can send you all of the details time is of the essence because there are lots of places for us to host the retreat in Toronto that might have to be an annual spot if we keep up the retreats uh, that is not the case for DC they do not have tons of locations so that is why we're uh, trying to act now if we're serious and think we want to do it Washington DC this summer email for updates that said back on track so we heard two audio segments there was the lengthier portion about the Molson Corps shooting but before that there was the segment about a junior ROTC officer black male who resigned his post after terrorism from the white children racist woman racist man racist child now if that's the way that they treated a black junior ROTC instructor imagine how they treat black children their non-white classmates who are not you know outweighing them by a hundred pounds or more maybe you know anyway I think we also uh, spoke before they always talk about being afraid of the black people black people are scary intimidating terrorists you know they say that on a pretty regular basis right these white children uh, again you know 15 16 17 year old they did not seem intimidated frightened petrified by a black male and a, you're a coon what do they say they say 
you ought to be tarred and feathered, nigger. So they called him that too. Got to the point he had to resign his post. Have a code for the workplace. That Molson Korsh shooting incident, uh, Mr. Anthony Farrell, uh, they said that he was also called a nigger in addition to the noose incident and everything. Got to have a code about being called a nigger or any other uh, racist language. You got to have a code about that. There cannot be any surprise. I don't care if you work in a classroom setting. I wouldn't care if you worked in a kindergarten. We had a listener who called in. He said he went to drop his child off, and he said it was a kindergarten. He said it was a five-year-old white girl. That's the kindergarten age. She walked by, looked at him, and said, hey, boy. She was not intimidated. She wasn't frightened. It wasn't, oh, my God, burly nigger's going to eat me. <laughs> Move, boy. Got class to go to. We got peanut butter and graham crackers today. Have a code for dealing with this in the workplace so that you are not surprised, you're not stunned. I was prepared for this. Whether it's you pull out your recorder, you write that down, if you report, whatever, you know, your code. What do you do with a nigger? Little Susie Ann, five-year-old. You can have your recorder on to get the response for that, too. They also said, unless I missed it, I thought that report was so <laughs> significant for a lot of reasons. They said that these little white urchins, these are not 20-year-olds, this wasn't college, unless I'm in error. They said that in addition to saying he ought to be tarred and feathered, calling him a nigger, that they, they wrote out one of those white nationalist quotes uh, on the board or in, in the room, the chat room or wherever. They wrote out one of these white nationalist quotes. We talked about one. They got the, the 14 words. All of those for protecting the white race. I thought white people were ignorant about racism. Where do you get off having white teens? They haven't, you know, had time to go to a major university and study and read Lothrop Stoddard and Madison Grant, you know, and get well educated so that they know about the roots and history of white. What do you got 16 year olds running around quoting white nationalist literature as they terrorize a black junior ROT? In junior ROTC instructor to the point that he has to resign his post wow I'll say it again it is racist woman racist man racist child the Molson Coors shooting now with that I didn't play because they had a lot of different reports that got a lot of attention the white employees I did play that part they came out and acknowledged, oh yeah, he was a victim of racism. They said that they were being uh, discreet. They didn't want to come out and confirm everything, but yes, racism did happen. Apparently a noose was left in the work area. Couldn't find out who perpetrated that crime. More investigating to come. Now within hours of the white officials coming out and releasing that information, concurrently the enforcement officials in Wisconsin they announced, oh no, racism did not motivate this shooting. Mm -mm. Heard a lot of those rumors. People get on social media and get willy-nilly as though they have some sort of authority. But oh no, we've checked. It's been over 48 hours. And no, racism did not motivate this shooting. We are still investigating. That is pretty consistent in a system of racism, white supremacy, where somehow racism, white supremacy is minimized. That could not be at the center of why this happened, why we got six dead bodies 
at a brewery. Doesn't that moron say uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy? But yeah, it couldn't be racism and white supremacy that explains why we have these fatalities at a brewery where they also have nooses from time to time, apparently. Nooses and alcohol, can you imagine? Uh, the signs component, I didn't play the police report, but I played the report from Wisconsin Public Radio where they talked about the importance of uh, looking for signs, potential harms, dangers in the workplace. We talk about that frequently on this broadcast. Uh, Gavin DeBecker, when we read his book in the book club, The Gift of Fear, he had a whole big chapter that I thought was extremely constructive where he talked about violence in the workplace and he talked about exactly what they just mentioned in that NPR report looking for signs. What did I say last week? We had that listener who called in, a uh, black female, and she said uh, on her job, we got a white man and he will send out email. These are company emails. These are not, you know, his private, you know, loggings, messages and what have you uh, about barbecues for the weekend and what have you. He will sign his company emails lovingly Ted Bundy. This is a white serial killer. We'll switch it up. We'll give him the uh, the Wisconsin treatment. Uh, uh, sincerely, Jeffrey Dahmer. Keep it Wisconsin. That for the workplace should be one of the red flags. That's exactly what I said last week. That should be a red flag. We've had people who've talked about uh, the folks who bring in their guns and ammo magazines or brag about gun sale or bring in uh, guns sometimes. All of that, what they call red flags, whether that means that's logged in your workplace journal or that might be the sort of thing that I bring up uh, to human resources, a supervisor, whomever. Uh, in fact, before I even got to that, I would check policy and procedure because some workplaces, they will have that explicitly that you cannot bring firearms to the workplace. We're not going to be talking about firearms. You're not going to be bringing in the latest guns and ammo or sporting man or whatever it is. We're not doing all this. This is not the environment to negotiate gun sales and firearms and, oh, you got a new scope uh, for your rifle. We're not taught. They'll have that written out. I've been in some work environments where that is stated explicitly. So sometimes you don't have to say a whole lot. You can just point to page 45 and ask if this is in violation of policy and procedure and get a yes or no. Same thing with that Ted Bundy and particularly after you have incidents like this with a shooting. Especially if I was in Wisconsin and somebody was doing this, they were signing off, you know, lovingly G. Dahmer, J. Dahmer. I'd say, you know, hey, we, we work at a bank. We work at a loan office. We do. They got the census. What? They got seasonal work. We're, we're doing census intake. Does this sound like it's a part of promoting a safe environment for all of the employees here where we have people? That's not even his name. Is this professional and safe? Promoting professionalism and safety in the workplace to have someone who's signing off emails with a nickname and then it's the nickname of a serial killer. What is that saying about what we're doing here? And then particularly, if you got someone behaving like that, if they get angry one day, like they talked about with the Wisconsin situation, something happens, they don't get a promotion that they want, they don't get a raise, their sports team lost, uh-oh, now they're grumpy. In fact, it could be as something as simple as what's going to happen this weekend. United States, uh, clocks are going forward uh, this weekend, so they say. Just that loss of an hour of sleep they have a number of reports that there are still uh, that there are a significant increase in car accidents on Monday just after moving the clock up one hour that people are that sensitive about disruptions 
to their sleep patterns that you can still see it on Monday. It could be something that simple that they're irritable. Oh, clock got moved forward, knocked my sleep pattern off. Now, good old Jeffrey Dahmer, when he comes in on Monday, now he's surly. Mm. Mm. Do I want to work next to somebody who now is surly, who on his good days, on his good days, when he's jovial, refers to himself as Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Charles Manson. Wish I had a female white woman killed y'all got to give me with Susan Smith Susan Smith killed all their children there uh, do I want to ne work next to her him on a bad day when that's how you think of yourself that's how you promote yourself that's the person that you relate to publicly or the fellow that comes in bragging about their you know gun sales and guns and ammo and all that now he's surly red flag exactly what they said there and anything else uh, that's exactly what uh, Gavin DeBecker talked about in the gift of fear you know things that make you uncomfortable you know when you can see people doing things behaving particularly in a workplace scenario it's a very narrow window of what is acceptable safe behavior in a workplace you already know things that would stick out to you as being peculiar in a workplace note that do not minimize particularly in election season I think a lot of you know folks get wound up and emotional you got so much rhetoric uh, for election season four more years uh, moving forward lots on uh, the list if you have commentary you can get that in as well this is not a broadcast for spectators talking about workplace racism is critically important it has such a huge impact on our mental health our health and well-being that's why we're doing the yoga retreat to take some time to detoxify and nourish ourselves uh, but it has such a corrosive impact on our sense of well-being it is vitally important to be talking about this especially when we get to points where we are frustrated uh, we're feeling overwhelmed uh, with the mistreatment and abuse that we experience in a workplace setting it is crucially important that we are talking and finding outlets where we can release diary it can't just be something that you stew on this and just you know come home and stew on it and then go back in for another dose of terrorism and abuse the next day and then come home for the whole weekend and stew on it it can just put you in, in a super unhealthy environment uh, that's not even to say if it gets to a point where you get upset disgruntled as they said in the report uh, and resort to counter violence but a lot of times it can just be depression uh, and self-destructive behavior uh, and not eating at all or overeating or not sleeping or oversleeping or just lots of things to unhealthy extremes that are really detrimental to our health well-being and vitality uh, we get kind of sucked into these situations at work and we don't have an outlet to help us help us process how we can try to solve some of these problems logically including sometimes that would mean extraction because that's just not a healthy work environment to be in and I want to make sure I emphasize that evaluating your work environment sometimes that is crucially important the system of white supremacy is designed it is set up to make sure that non-white people generally speaking are in very noxious environments we're reading packing them in about how Chicago deliberately designed to place black people in poisoned areas we just read uh, a terrible thing to waste Harriet A. Washington she talked all throughout the book black people throughout the country Washington DC Baltimore Flint wherever deliberately designed so that black people are in places where they are around poisons chemicals so they're not going to be healthy and functioning at their best 
your work environment certainly has been designed to be that way. Evaluate and see, now is this the type of place that I want to be for the next five years, the next five months? If it's not, sometimes it's let me start working on a constructive exit strategy. You do not want to allow yourself to be stuck in a work environment where you're, there is no growth potential. It's not like you're going to be moving up to get a great salary or a new position. This is not your what they say dream job. Uh, this is not the place that you you know had envisioned for yourself, and you really love your work. I mean, you work up every day with you know zeal to go in and do your job. That is not the case. If that is not the case, you do not see venues for you to be getting promotions, raises, those sort of things evaluate and it might be best let me make an exit strategy as opposed to being stuck here for another three years five years four years and just taking abuse for all of that time and I'm not growing my career I'm not learning anything I'm not even excited about the work that I'm doing Anywho, as I said this broadcast is not for spectators uh, if you have figured out uh, some constructive things so that you do not end up being at that level of frustration that Mr. Anthony Farrell experienced in Wisconsin. They do not leave nooses in your work area. They do not molest you and hug you after you've made it clear you don't want to be touched uh, in the workplace. They do not mess over your schedule. Uh, they do not confirm days off or vacation days for you and then renege and tell you that you got to come into work on that day after all. None of those things happen to you. You're treated well. You are compensated well. You get all your promotions. You get all your raises. Your performance reviews are always a thing of beauty. You should be the first person to dial in. Uh, the number is 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 605-313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. email for folks if you are concerned about dialing in, you want to be anonymous or just don't feel comfortable or you're not able to dial in, you can email untiljustice at gmail.com address again untiljustice at gmail.com and we can read your commentary anonymously on the air if you have your own situation you'd like addressed or if you have suggestions for what people have to say this here evening. Uh, one more important thing I'll say, we do have people that wrote in, I'll get their emails and we'll get folks who dialed in as well. Uh, but the whole coronavirus uh, situation, man, I am here in Seattle. I've said for years, best plantation in the Northwestern Hemisphere. And then the 21st century yellow peril, Wuhan coronavirus, COVID-19 as they say now, first case fatal case in the U.S. right here in King County, Dr. King, Seattle. And all of the precautions and, you know, that's been front page news every day right here. Uh, the epicenter of the epidemic in the U.S. is right here in Gus's plantation of Seattle. In fact, we had uh, a cow's listener was coming to visit 
was going to come with their uh, husband, Cal's listener, who was at the Virginia retreat, was going to come hang out in Seattle. Let's see the greatest plantation ever. Bring my husband so we can see this great plantation and get some plant-based meals and all that and hang out, get a Starbucks coffee with Gus T. And coronavirus. No way. Not coming out here and getting any of you all's no good uh, germs. No way. Have to stay and do that later. I saw today they canceled the South by Southwest uh, Festival. I'm mentioning this in a workplace racism context because even right here in Seattle, a number of non-black, non-white businesses, uh, so-called Asian businesses, have been hugely impacted by this. And I think that is the case uh, across the country. It might even be the case across the world. I know I've seen consistent reports about the impact that this had on so-called China, uh, even Japan, uh, and spreading globally and talking about the market impact of all of this. Uh, I have one component that I'll talk about for tomorrow for the compensatory call-in, but at least for today, uh, there was a different Cows listener who was also at the Virginia retreat, and she said, man, even where I live, she doesn't live here in Seattle, she said, even where I live, I'm seeing those same reports about so-called uh, Asian businesses struggling. Oh, no, I'm not going to any Chinese restaurant now. Got that coronavirus. I'm going to stay home. You know, have to, to figure it out. Have to get my fried rice elsewhere. And she said, wow, if that is the case, I don't know if that is happening with the nail salons and things as well, where people are saying, oh, no, I'm not going to go there. Most of the attention that I've seen, it's been restaurants that are really feeling it. And I, and I also have seen uh, with Chinese New Year, because that just happened, and that's a big event. If you have a Chinatown where you live, like I do, New York, I think some other regions, uh, L.A., San Francisco, uh, that that's a big deal. A lot of people come to those areas, those so-called neighborhoods. They spend money. They go to the restaurants, all of that. So a lot of people say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Keep your germs. That had a financial impact. That is a serious component of workplace racism right there. And we had a listener who said that might be an opportunity, uh, particularly uh, for the nail businesses. I don't know if it's having the same impact for those nail salons and beauty shops. We talked a lot about the racism, uh, the mistreatment of black customers there. If that is the case where people are not going to those Asian-owned nail salons and shops because of their fears about the coronavirus, that could be a business opportunity. Uh, if you're a black person and you're in one of those areas and you see that people are not going, might be an opportunity where you could open up a business. Say, hey, we don't want to go shop there. We'll go shop over here. And at minimum, it could be an opportunity for black people say, hey, if people are not going to go and shop at these Asian-only businesses where there are tons of reports where we're not even being treated very well, maybe we can use this as an opportunity to go and open up uh, salons, whatever it's going to be, that are black-owned. And at minimum, black people can go there and purchase. Maybe it could be an opportunity for that. Naomi Klein might call that disaster capitalism, but that was discussed. I thought that was important in recognizing uh, the, uh, or, yeah, work, recognizing the workplace racism component uh, of the coronavirus. More to talk about that uh, tomorrow. Number again, 605-313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, if you have thoughts, comments to share, 
proceed. Uh, hopefully folks are not spectating. I guess if, if you have thoughts, if the so-called coronavirus, if it has impacted your workplace experience, that would be good to hear as well if they have had any trainings. I know I've seen a lot of talk online uh, about the need, the importance for having paid sick leave as a result of this because you'll have a lot of individuals, particularly non-white people, black people who will be working jobs where they're not full-time, they don't have benefits, so they don't have sick leave. Or sometimes there'll be uh, a, a, a contested battle over you being able to access uh, your sick leave. Uh, where you get sick days and then you get penalized if you take them. We've heard a lot of these different types of things, but they said that would be one thing. Paid sick leave, if you're sick, stay home, keep all your germs, come back when you are not contagious. That that would be helpful. So if people are having any conversations in the workplace uh, about safety issues, health issues, uh, if this has impacted any conversations, or if you have just observed racism, white supremacy in the workplace around the so-called uh, coronavirus, that would be good to hear as well. Uh, let us know at minimum that to be something that I'd be uh, mindful and observant about in the workplace uh, let's see folks seem like they are spectating a little bit uh, hopefully uh, what this means is you are not being directly abused in the workplace although I find that hard to believe to have this many folks just hanging out and uh, meaning all of you are being treated well compensated well sparkling reviews being promoted if that is the case, make sure I get in the address racism-notes.blogspot.com. Address again, racism-notes.blogspot.com. PayPal button is in the top right corner. We are also on Cash App, cash.app forward slash the cows. Much obliged for all the investors who have supported and kept us on the air for 11 plus years. Uh, hopefully, if you are not being abused in the workplace, at least for the time being, you're getting all your promotions, you are being compensated well. Invest in the cows and save that money uh, because there might come a time where racists are not so accommodating in the workplace. In fact, we should all be planning and thinking that that is going to happen. Uh, hopefully we'll be wrong, but we should be planning that way. When it comes, we won't be surprised. We'll already be prepared. Let's see. Folks who wrote in, I'll read some of the emails while folks uh, are spectating. At minimum, if you're not being mistreated on the job, though, then you should have suggestions about how you got to that spot, right? Anyway, folks who wrote in. Let's see. The theme for this report is it does <laughs> triple T's. It doesn't get any better than tacky. Heard that frequently. The consulting firm that the company I work for is working. Wait a minute. Let me start this. Okay, I'll start again. The consulting firm that the company I work for is working with, based out of Seattle. Best plantation ever. And they come on site every three weeks. The black male that I mentioned last week uses an empty cubicle. One day, he asked me to come by the cubicle to see a demonstration of something he was building. Because he didn't have a guest chair in the cubicle, I went to the next cubicle and asked its user, a white male, if I could use his. He said, sure, you can steal it. 
thieving negras don't do anything but steal property. My boss and I were discussing an issue with the ongoing project and the solution. He said, I hope that the business doesn't have a problem. Another teammate said, just tell them that it's whack if they don't. I asked, are we using 90s vernacular now? My boss said, well, I'm more of a late 80s guy. I just tell them that it's hammer time and they can't touch this. My boss and my teammate both went to Las Vegas last weekend. E On Friday, this was the exchange. Coworker, aren't you two going to Vegas this weekend? Teammate, yep. The white males around me start joking about coronavirus. <laughs> there it is. The white males around me start joking about coronavirus and not being able to return. Project manager, I don't think about that that you're going to one of the casinos that's a favorite of the Asian visitors. Boss's boss, don't worry, we're not gonna eat at Ping Pang Pong. We experienced that once and that's enough. Teammate, yeah, that one and that noodle exchange. Boss's boss, Noodle exchange. I expect there to be less because that's pretty hot food inside there. Project manager. I expect you guys to count how many medical masks that go by. Boss's boss. That's out there no matter what. A black female coworker of mine wore shirts related to black history. Oh gosh. Woo. I'm going to pause right there. We had a listener. Uh, if you challenged me on it, I bet I could find it. It was uh, 2016. It was uh, it's like summer 2016. If you challenged me on it and gave me enough time, I think I could find it. We had a listener, black male. He called in and he asked about wearing a shirt that had uh, like Nat Turner on it, Nat Turner University or something like that, uh, to work. And... The question I just came to is, what problem are you trying to solve by wearing that shirt? And he didn't have an answer. And I said, I generally, that's the type of question, that's the type of logic that I try to use with the workplace. Uh, I would not recommend, in fact, I'll start again. I would emphatically discourage wearing any uh, black history paraphernalia, red, black, and green flag Cow's t-shirt, Marcus Garvey, uh, Ida B. Wells Barnett, anybody you can think of. Uh, None of that needs to be worn for the workplace unless, you know, you're in a work environment and it's all black people and, you know, that type of thing. But, I mean, if you work, uh, it's a normal office setting. You work around suspected racists. There is no need for that at all. Uh, That is I have not seen where that solves any problems, where that makes things any better uh, for black people. Frequently, what I have observed is that will be justification, motivation, give me a better word, that will be motivation for racists to mistreat you to practice even more racism. So I would not encourage any of that. What I've said for years, I would be really uh, frugal with attire. I'm not dressing to impress anybody. I'm not. Uh, wearing anything to make any sort of political statements or what have you. That's not what I'm here for at all. I'm here to be compensated well for the work that I do. That's it. Me wearing Black History Month t-shirts, 
Malcolm X t-shirts, Rosa Parks t-shirts, that has no place here, at Gus T. Renegade t-shirts, that has no place here at all. Alright, so let me get back. A black female co-worker of mine wore shirts related to black history, shirts, this is like plural, uh, wore shirts related to black history and culture during February. During the last week in February, I saw her and her white male teammate in the break room. Her shirt was a Cross Colors HBCU t-shirt. We started talking about what a throwback that was when her teammate said, you only have three days left, right? <laughs> Two white co-workers were talking about traveling to Mexico. A third walks up to them and says, just remember, if you see guys in face masks, they're not necessarily bad people. Finally, the company I work for hired a black male developer to replace me on my previous team. In the all-hands all meeting, when introducing new people, the manager first introduced a white male as a new developer. He then, then he introduced the black male and said, Before I say what you are, why don't you tell us what you are? As if the black male did not have an accurate title. I have been thinking about your question at the beginning of the NWPR broadcast, Neutralizing Workplace Racism, about how you make sure to get promotions, bonuses, etc. I have concluded that it is up to the white supremacists as to whether they will give you these things or not. At my current job, I have received many of these things because the white people in charge thought that it was in their best interest to give me these things. This has not stopped them from practicing racism against me, however. Very important, if I had a question to ask, it would be, exactly how did you conclude they are giving you these promotions, racists, whatever it is, because it's in their best interest to do so? Just clarification on that, and how did you uh, come to that conclusion? Because that is important. That's not to diminish at all that you're brilliant, I'm talking to the person who wrote that in, and uh, victims in general, uh, that's not to diminish that you're brilliant, competent, that you do phenomenal work, and you should be compensated, you should get all these promotions and raises, all of those things should happen, however, in a system of racism, white supremacy, there are many black people who are skilled, talented, could do, you know, extraordinary work, they don't even get an interview, that's what I mean about it, it is important allowing this nigra to have this job, to have this promotion, I will do so because that will ultimately benefit our system. Very important uh, to keep that in mind. Same type of thinking with President Obama. Same type of thinking with uh, Nelson Mandela, the late. This gets played out in many different forms. I think the whole St. Louis situation, they ended up having a black male who became uh, chief of the police department. We can do these things because ultimately this will benefit the system of racism, white supremacy. Very important to be mindful of that. Even as you accept the promotion, I would never to, well, I'll take, even as you accept, generally I would say yes, accept, take any promotion you get, any raises you get, absolutely take it and update that resume immediately. Uh, but yeah, take it and just keep that in mind the whole way through. We're still in a system of racism, white supremacy, and you know. White people gave me this promotion. They can take it back and have me buffing floors in about the next 30 seconds. Until justice at gmail.com. If you have other comments, thoughts to share, number is 605 313 5164. 
the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I hope, I hope we do not have any cows listeners who wore any paraphernalia or wardrobe to work for Black History Month. Uh, just would not recommend that at all. I almost asked uh, if anybody had any experiences with Black History Month because I know uh, part of it, we were pretty much done, but I think it was like one more day or so. So I thought people might have had a last incident for our February uh, festivities, and then we'll you know pack that up and get ready for next year. But I reckon if anybody else had anything final with Black History Month before we move on, uh, Women's History Month, I think that's what's now, unless I'm off with my months, I think that's what they're on. But if anybody has anything final, Black History Month, that they would like to share, feel free to get that in as well. Uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you have thoughts to share, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, retired firefighter. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to everyone. Uh, I was just uh, thinking about uh, your early comments about uh, the uh, Conoris virus and how it affects uh, uh, your workplace. <laughs> I can only I, I I can't even imagine on on the differences now on what it would be uh on the fire department uh I would figure a lot of people w would not know that majority of the calls that large fire departments go on are not fire calls they are first responding type of uh to uh rescue calls of different type medical you know, calls, that sort of thing. And uh, so uh, a quote-unquote firefighter is right in the middle of uh, viruses of all types, actually. You name them from AIDS to present. To present, uh, they have been uh, uh, right in the middle of uh, the uh, potential danger. Uh, but... Uh, just right quick, uh, it may be a little bit off course with the uh, with today, but uh, I've been hearing that. Uh, no, I'll, say, I'll save it for tomorrow. I won't, I won't even go there. I'll save it for uh, Saturday. But uh, yeah, just I would just imagine because I, I I don't know anybody uh, that uh, that uh, would know. And to the, the the program today, I would say, uh, as a non-white victim of racism, white supremacy as an individual, uh, I would have to uh, sharpen up on my uh, counter-racist codification on things such as my contact with the patient. You know, that becomes an individual decision. You know, in some cases, uh, now I have been, you know, when I was in the workplace, uh, I have, I've had the fortunate of having non-white supervisors, non-white black male supervisors who, uh, we had a, uh, I had a relationship with, uh, to whereas, uh, you know, uh, 
they would actually consider a suggestion that uh, a, a firefighter would have with a quote-unquote officer. They would consider that. Uh, in other words, it's not a, it, 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 the, the rank situation would not factor in. It, 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 the, 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 the situation would factor in would be, well, this guy's experience, I trust his knowledge and understanding, and uh, if, I, if I relied upon someone to help me, in a dangerous situation, I would rather have that person. I don't care what rank he is, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, I've, I've had that fortunate over sometimes, some cases, not all cases, but some cases. Uh, but in also in some cases, that is not necessarily uh, uh, something that uh, that is uh, respected, i put it that way. Uh, even with non-white, a non-white officer, but for the most part, mainly with, of course, uh, a white officer, they wouldn't respect it, uh, although it has been a few times with a white person because they, they want to live, too, you know, especially if they got somebody's experience that they're working with. But, uh, yeah, those are just some of the, some of the uh, thoughts that I had when you were talking about that uh, particular issue and how it, how it can affect from a uh, racial a racist standpoint in the workplace. Thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Um, that is important, too. I, I've been saying for some time, we, black people in particular, but non-white people in total, we have to be the ones that are primarily in charge of our health and well-being uh, because our safety is disregarded constantly uh, as a matter of protocol in the system of white supremacy and this applies especially in the workplace uh, now I personally you know am not going to get into a lot of hysteria I think they had data that more people die from the flu annually uh, than have died from behavior uh, if you're concerned which I would be generally just I don't like getting sick I don't want a cold I don't want a flu any of that either this is still flu season I think uh, in general, if I had concerns, I would think about if I had a job where I was required to do any sort of physical contact. Uh, if I was required to do CPR, firefighting that, you might have to come in and do some life-saving. I would have to think about that. Is this going to adjust? Am I going to be doing a whole lot of touching? I say when I teach yoga, I don't do the touching anyway, so, you know, whatever. But if I did, this would make me, you know, reconsider. Um but yeah, if you're in one of those jobs, I would hope, you know, you have enough information to wherever you fall, if you feel like it's warranted and that you should have a heightened level of uh, anxiety and be taking some precautions about this. Well, then I hugs in the workplace. Ooh, we. Yeah. Whammo. Yeah. Coronavirus. Don't I, I, I you love ever. It. Don't you ever. I, I don't you it. ever hug me again. And in fact, I'm not shaking hands. All you have to do. You are solid. Everybody who said that they wanted to be on no touching in the workplace, I would get a pair of gloves. If you can find one mask, if you have to steal one from somebody, uh, you could just put your mask on, pair of gloves, and I'm good. Not doing any touching in the workplace. Let's all keep our germs. I'm good. And what can they say? And that would be permanent. <laughs> I would just ride that forever. Like, I'm good. I don't do any of that touching in the workplace. That Corona thing really bothered me, shook me up. I'm good. I don't do any touching. That's all you have. Corona will be it. Anybody that wants to be on no touching at all, handshakes, hugs, nothing, 
That's all you have to say. Corona, boop, what are they going to say? Number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Other folks dialed in with a hand up if you have. Number one, I, last weekend I actually was in San Francisco, and um, that's when the report came out of uh, like epidemic proportions. I don't, I can't remember exactly what was said, but we were gonna go to Chinatown, but my son was like, uh, "Yeah, mom, let's not, let's not go since." Uh, they had a state of emergency. That was it. Uh, email uh, news reports were saying there was a state of emergency for San Francisco. So we did opt not to go into Chinatown, and it was on our thing to do list. I just wanted to be sure. Um, number two, I work for a big uh, a county government, and the email came out uh, two uh, two days ago or so that if you do travel out of town and you come back to work, you are to self-quarantine for two weeks, and the county will pay for it. It is on the county's time. You do not have to use your time. So we were shocked when we saw that. We were like, whoa. We thought we would have to use our own time, but no, they said if you travel to those affected areas, um, although they said someone had, in my particular area called in and said they just came from, I don't know, a cruise to Europe. I'm not sure. It was kind of like rumor, but they said that the supervisor said come to work. So I don't know how serious all areas are taking it, but uh, an email from the mayor did go out saying to um, self-quarantine for two weeks if you come from, I guess, a specific area travel to for vacation. Um, next thing, I didn't hear the recording. Um, did you hear about the young lady with the feminine, the black-owned feminine hygiene products and what happened this week? Did you hear about that? Uh, no, ma'am. That does not sound familiar. Can you give us some, some details on it? Okay, so if you've been watching TV through the month, uh, throughout Black History Month, Target was highlighting a black-owned feminine hygiene honeypot. Is that it? Company called the Honeypot. Yeah, I just didn't know the bad. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, so they they highlighted a commercial where she acknowledged that she was really happy that Target would carry her products, and the last line of the commercial said, "It is my something. I'm paraphrasing. It's my hope that the." A young black girl will see me and know that she has an opportunity to be an entrepreneur, something along those lines. Well, the racists went crazy. Ugh. They went and made a lot of fake comments. They gave her business one star um, on a particular rating site. I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, it wasn't Google. It wasn't something I had heard about before, but they uh, were saying things like, Target, shame on you for having a racist ad 
oh, I was going to buy the product until I realized. And then they, they begin to lie, say things that were not even the case, saying things like, oh, who makes a product only for black people? I was going to buy the product till you said it was only for black people. And that is not the truth. She said the company is made, this product is made by humans with vaginas for humans with vaginas. Never acknowledge any race or anything in uh, who her target audience was as far as her product. And so a lot of black uh, websites and Facebook pages rallied behind her and they began to put the word out and everybody bombarded Target, sending her sales up 50% within 24 hours, giving her five-star ratings and sending her ratings through the roof and then ultimately giving her free coverage. So that situation seems to have backfired for now, for what I could tell, but um, gave her a, a, there were, I saw a few white women as well saying that the product is great, that they found no offense in the commercial. They were happy to see a black woman being recognized and that representation matters, but they did attempt to sabotage her business by doing fake um fake reviews and calling the commercial racist. So that was really interesting to see that happen. Okay, and lastly, um, yeah, talked about the corona. I called a few weeks ago to talk about uh, my son and what happened at work, and I will just really tell a really quick story about it where um, he's at work. A white coworker of his was um, doing some billing. They work in the medical field and he was doing some billing and he wasn't putting in his hours properly. He was built, he was putting for eight hours and he doesn't work eight hours. My son who's been doing that line of work for a while told the gentleman, um, hey, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And he said, well, I'm going to get these eight hours. So my son was like, okay. So then he called, so my son called me to talk to me about it. Just like you said, when they're faced with these situations of racism, white supremacy, they will call us to reach out to us. So anyway, he says the next day the guy comes to work um, and says, hey, I got chewed out by my boss because about my hours. And Alex said, yeah. Uh, I told you, and he said he went so far to show him a, 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 a app that he could use to help track his hours and make his productivity and whatever the case may be. And he says the guy was really, really grateful and whatever. He says they're continuing to work, and my son said that he was he was talking and being a little chatty, and he said he told the guy, hey, if I'm if I'm talking too much, just let me know, whatever the topic they were talking about. And the guy goes, no, 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 you're good. So later on, um, he says the next day, he noticed the guy's giving him kind of the cold shoulder, you know, when you can feel the vibe is off at work. Well, this other white guy who's not even in a supervisor position on the same level that my son is and in a different discipline him. So now my son's upset. And so the supervisor over them all is uh, – 
a woman who's from the area of India, right? And so he says, Mom, you think I should say something to her? And at, and at first I'm like, you know, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should just sit back and observe. And then as we talked about it, I said, you know, he says, you know, she really liked him. She had even offered him a, a, a permanent position there because he's a traveler. So he said, um, you know, I think I'm going to tell her. I said, okay, go with what your heart tells you to do. So he pulls her outside right in front of the gentleman. He asked her, can I talk to you? She says, sure. They go outside to talk. Would you believe the guy followed them outside and kind of stood back to try to act like he was scanning the parking lot to overhear their conversation? That was crazy. I mean, that was unbelievable to see. But um, after my son tells her what happened, she goes, she goes, what is that? Some white boy bro code shit? Excuse my English, um, my phrasing. That's what she said. She goes, don't worry. I got your back. I got your back, <laughs> cowbell. He said, she said, um, I know what he's been doing. He's been coming in at 10, but putting nine o'clock on the time card. And I hadn't even said anything, but if he thinks he's going to get away with this, he got another thing coming. To make a very long story short, um, he even asked my son when he came back in, what were you guys talking about? And my son looked at him and said, something personal. You're bringing your personal questions to the, you're bringing personal issues to the supervisor? He goes, yeah, and kind of left it. I said, well, he knows you guys were talking. And to bring it full circle, the guy ended up getting fired. He ended up getting fired along with the other guy who came step to him who felt it necessary to tell my son to stop talking. So he felt very vindicated in the situation. Like, actually, um, that's my son started crying. You know, he said because he knows how these situations turn. He's had an issue before. Um, remember I told you when we went to Japan, if you remember the other supervisor, so he was, like, really nervous about how this thing would play out, but it actually worked really in his favor. And um, the, all, all, both white guys ended up getting fired, and my son is still working. So it kind of, you know, one for the good guy, we would say, for this time. But he definitely, um, I had you playing the whole time I was with him out in, in, San, in San Francisco area. We were actually in Stockton, and I was out there with him. And, um, you know, I had you playing every chance I got. I was playing it on the, on the radio. So your show is great, and thank you for all your dedication and your extremely constructive programming. And I will mute my line. Well, before you go, we got a double whammy for uh, the justice team. How about that? White people, two white guys yeah. fired. When you said for your job situation that if you travel some, like let's say you come to Icky Seattle right now, and there's, oh, you can't come back here with all those Seattle germs. You got to self quarantine. What does that mean exactly? What do you have to do? Stay home. Okay. okay. Stay home. Okay. And I work. For, I work for a place where we don't work from home. Wow. So you're just home. Yeah. You know, I don't know what protocol it takes. I guess you'd have to show your plane ticket or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, they said to stay home. If I get a chance, um, when I get a chance, if I can go in my email now, I'll, you know, screenshot it and call tomorrow night, and I and I'll read you what it says. Okay, spectacular! Thank you, know, you so much. Just give you like a preface. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, just give you because it was pretty lengthy, so just kind of see what it says. Awesome.
Thank you so much for sharing and uh, spectacular effort with that counter-racist parenting. That is really hard work. Uh, in comparison to melanin, that is not a sensible thing to do. But to decide that you want to do that and then to scientifically, methodically go about the business of doing that, that is not crazy. Uh, that was something that she was uh, pretty emphatic about, and I see the logic of that. Uh, let's see. So with we can start right there with the self-quarantining at your job white people can change the rules as they see fit and so this is the type of thing that I would write down like so there are certain situations where we can work from home you can make exceptions under certain medical conditions that would be one to note because there might be another medical situation that comes up it might not be uh, coronavirus per se but it could be some other form of contagion or something on a smaller tail or whatever it is, but there are situations where if there is an overriding medical reason, you can make exceptions and a person can work from home. Duly noted, that could be done again. Uh, let's see, with... Mm -mm. I, I'll tell you why we can't, though, because we use an intranet and we can't access the intranet mm -hmm. from home. I see. I see. Give you a, a lap email that you got that that's going to be the protocol, and if that means that they're purchasing a few extra laptops, or if that means that they're adding, you know, new procedures so that that uh, people can take the laptop home and they can still access the intranet uh, to do whatever work needs to be done. Same point would still be illustrated that hey, we can change the rules, even rules that look like you know we never changed it. Oh yeah. It can't be changed for certain circumstances. Like, that is always important to note because I've seen the same type of thing where white people do change the rules whenever they want. Same thing the caller said before. When it suits their needs, they can change the rules. Uh, let's see. With the situation, I guess the way uh, it started off with your son that's why uh, on this program on this program I'm so much more on the I would much rather the charge be man you are just as quiet as can be you don't talk about anything I would much rather that be the way it goes uh, that's why I say if we're talking it's gonna be work related like what <laughs> what are you talking that would be lesson learned I'm not talking about anything except work related Activities and it's not going to be a whole lot of that. Uh, I told folks on here because I've seen that white people get on these jobs and they will do that. They will just let them get their cigarette breaks and they are just running off at the mouth and that Obama does and climate change and then they'll come back in and maybe sit down and do 15 minutes of work and then they go right back outside and they are gossiping about everybody there and telling racist jokes and all the rest of it and then they find a way to blame a black person. Uh, in this case. Uh, I guess that's irregular. I think a lot of times uh, we won't necessarily have a non-white supervisor and certainly one who has got your back and they mean it. I mean, wow, that is amazing. Uh, but if you do, take advantage. Uh, we are able to go talk. That's another one where, in my view, that's not crazy. We have so many people who call in and they have white people who are eavesdropping, spying. That's, you know, a huge aspect of it. Uh, and even his response right there, mm -hmm. personal, you were in there talking like everything goes to some sort of, of charge of wrongdoing uh, against you, even when it's not protect. Like you're just guessing and it's still I'm guessing that you were doing something incorrect. You were doing something dastardly uh, in there speaking with the supervisor. Uh, and then 
how many times do we have examples of someone who is not your direct supervisor they're just white but they feel authorized to come and correct you don't you do all that mm -hmm, talking mm -hmm. and getting him you know distracted <laughs> you keep your mouth shut keep your keep your eyes and your lips closed uh today consistently i've said when it's those type of people you don't have to say anything like if this person is not your supervisor that might be one i just Hmm. And I write that down in my journal. You can let them see. You, I mean, you have a lot of latitude. If that's not just you just got a race soldier who is just coming over to practice race soldier. And I'm just going to tell this nigger what to do, you know, about the job. I feel that's my duty. telling him you're a nigger, telling him you should be tarred and feathered. So, I mean, that's just any white person. I feel authorized to speak to you any way I want to and particularly to tell you what to do. That's my duty as someone classified as white to mold and shape your behavior. Make sure you're functioning like a proper nigger. So I wouldn't say a word. Son handled that one great, spectacular job. Um, they got, I mean, double whammy. They both got fired. That is yeah. unprecedented uh, for workplace mm -hmm. workplace racism and, cows history. And the, the supervisor, I forgot to add, she said. Um, us brown people got to stick together. Wow. <laughs> wow. But I, while we were talking, I pulled up my email, and here they sent, they just sent an email out, and they updated it. And I can just give you a brief, it's pretty lengthy, mm -hmm. but they gave this. Employees who have traveled to China, Italy, Iran, and South Korea within the last 14 days or since February the 20th must contact their department personnel representative immediately upon returning to the United States. Per CDC guidelines, individuals returning from these countries who have no flu-like symptoms should stay home and monitor their health for 14 days after returning to the United States. During their self-quarantine period, employees will be granted administration leave, administrative leave for their regular schedule. These employees will also be required to be available by phone for consultation during their regular work hours, which are being covered by administrative leave. And if an employee has a symptom, they should call this number. Um, and then it says employees will be required to use their sick leave or other earned leave for their absence from work. A doctor's note releasing the employee from treatment must be obtained by the employee and provided to their supervisor upon returning to work. So once you do start to have symptoms, then you start, then you have to use your sick time. And then it says, for employees who, who begin travel on or after March 5th to an area, international or otherwise, that is not classified as level three at the start of the travel, but is classified at level three prior to... A lot uh, to have to go through. And even, even that, just looking at the areas that they named, China, Iran, South Korea, and Italy. So you got three predominantly non-white areas. And then Italy, uh, they call those like the, the meds. They have a lot of different nicknames uh, for them as like... 
uh, low right, like we were talking about what they call white ethnics yesterday, the Italians, they would be in the so-called white ethnics uh, when they immigrate here sometimes as kind of low-ranking low individuals classified as white who often get teased, uh, often because they are darker. Uh, Dr. Welsing would have quite a bit to say about that, but that's even an interesting list of countries. They didn't put Seattle on there <laughs> or any of these other regions. They just got all of these areas with a lot of non-white people and Italy uh, that if you go there, uh-oh. Got to hope you got some sick time stored up and be prepared for self quarantine. Phenomenal, phenomenal effort, ma'am. Uh, let's see. Uh, other folks who doubt it, be hard to top that one. That is a five star effort, mommy, and five star effort for. Well, I guess it'd be three because you'd have to give the supervisor two. Like, wow, five star effort for the supervisor. Brown people got to stick together, and then she fires two white men. Wow. Uh, triple whammy uh, of goodness, good counter racist effort. Uh, if folks have, yeah, um, I got a chance to. Yes, ma'am. Just lastly, I did. I did get a chance to meet her while I was visiting, and I thanked her mm. for looking out for him. And and she was like, "It's my pleasure," you know. It was my. She was. She seems very genuine. She really did. So thank you. And because of you, I could. I did what I did because of you, Dr. Welsing, Mr. Fuller, you guys' hard work. I really, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Hope everybody could be that lucky, end up in, you know, that type of work environment. Uh, but that's what we have a code for, because the thought is we are not going to end up in that type of work environment. But, man, if you get there, hang out as long as you possibly can. That's what I mean. Like, evaluate your work environment. Like, wow, that is the type of place. Heck, yeah, I'm going to behave. I'm going to be here on time. I'm going to hang out until they burn the building down. Uh, and then I'm going to be here with a fire extinguisher, trying to make sure, you know, we can keep this going as long. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have a hand up and we have missed you totally, lines should be open. Proceed. Greetings, Gus, callers, and listeners. Can I be heard? Uh, a young academic uh, has been with us, Virginia and Florida, two times with us for the retreats. Good to hear from you, sir. I have been having trouble calling in for the last two nights, uh, the access code. On my oh, when I try to call in on my phone, it doesn't. My it somehow it was, wouldn't read the access code, even though I could hear the uh, touchstone. And I tried to use the VoIP line, and that has been just completely shutting off. I'll hear you for a few seconds, and then it completely like has to uh, reload. But uh, I thought I'd just let you know about that. But I, I'm calling in uh, about an incident involving my uh, coworker this week. My uh, co coworker, I work at, this is for my after-school job, my coworker noticed a student that what she believes was having an asthma attack. And uh, she went to my immediate supervisor to let him know, to inform him that she believed that this student was having an asthma attack. So he went to the nurse's office, and then they know that this student has asthma, and they uh, did not have a pump, an asthma pump for this student located anywhere in the school. So he thought it would be a good idea to try to get the mother on the phone. And while he was having uh, calling a, a mother, the my coworker decided to call the fire department, which is located immediately behind the school, to let them know that a student the student was now turning blue. So she decided to let the, them know that the student couldn't breathe. And uh, meanwhile, my supervisor comes back. 
and he states that uh, he can't locate mom, but they got in touch with grandma, and grandma was on his way on her way to uh, drop off the asthma pump, and uh, then the uh, fire department pulls up, and uh, they immediately rush in, they take the student, and then the uh, principal comes out, and the principal, I have uh, had some incidents in the past with him, but he comes out, and he immediately starts uh, to question, like, what's going on? And he finds out that the student was having an asthma attack. So uh, he immediately, the student can't breathe. So he goes to the student, and they have her, they have her like, on a breathing mask. And he's asking the student all of these uh, questions. And the lady that decided to call the fire department, she noticed, noticed that the student wasn't able to breathe. And she decided to answer the questions for the student. And that's when he basically told her to be quiet and that he was talking to the student. And then uh, my coworker immediately got emotional and just walked away. And uh, I decided that uh, I had to probably go and console her and let her know that uh, she needs to uh, get her emotions out of it. And it was probably best to start writing the in in an incident report because I pretty much figured that uh, my two white the, uh, my white supervisor and the principal of the school, they were basically going to work together to uh, cover their uh, selves because they know that they're liable for not having the students' asthma pump located inside the school. So I was like, let's sit down, write this incident report, keep all emotions out of it. To, uh, you need to let them be fact-based and let them know why you decided to basically uh, make the call that you made. So we wrote out the incident report, and towards the end of the day, she decided to hand the supervisor the incident report, and he said, oh, don't worry about it. I have it uh, all taken care of. And uh, she was like, no, I think this incident report needs to be uh, put in the file. And he was like, I'll uh, make sure I'll staple a copy to my incident report that I wrote. And they had never informed her that they were writing the incident report. Now, uh, the white uh, principal that ran out the incident that I had with him in the past where I, I now refuse to work at the school in a day is that I substitute teach, and I uh, came to the school, and he decided instead of printing out my schedule that he was going to handwrite my schedule. So he handwrote my schedule, and uh, on the time that it said lunch, and I usually go into my car and eat my lunch and listen to the cows, okay? So uh, I decided to uh, have my lunch in my car, and then I get a call from my after-school supervisor letting me know that the principal is all over the school looking for me. So I uh, go immediately return back into the school, and he's, like, frantic. He's like, where were you? I can't believe you just left the school premises. You're not supposed to do that. And I was like, listen here. You wrote out my schedule. Look where you wrote where my lunch is, right? And what, he, what I found out with this principal is that he likes uh, smiling Negroes. He basically wants – he has a white savior complex. Uh, the school's in bad shape. He doesn't do anything for the school. We, they have a, a really, really – that uh, mouse pump. Matter of fact, also this week, I had I got in a, a conversation with a, a white teacher. I teach in her classroom after school, and I complained about the mice, but she teaches in this class. She's been teaching in this class for about five years, okay? And uh, she moves the cabinet, and she sees all of this mouse poop. And uh, she goes, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that it's so much mouse poop back here. And then I decided to tell her the story on um, which uh, last summer I was in the school and uh, uh, the student, uh, I had a kindergarten student just kept telling me that Mickey Mouse was looking at him, okay? 
And I, I, I thought he was just making something up. And I, I could, didn't put two, two and two together until I decided to look in the ceiling. And I saw that there were mice in the ceiling looking at the kids, okay? And I decided to inform this principal, but of course, nothing was done about the uh, rodent situation, which leads me back to uh, the teacher when she moves the cabinet. She moves the cabinet and comments about the poop, and I tell her, I tell her that story. And I, I, I was like, uh, it's a shame that they have children in a school where you know there's mice, and I guarantee you if this was a suburban... A young academic. Uh, with your situation, I'll start with... Uh the latter uh, and then get to the earlier one uh, with the latter I think uh, those little breaches in protocol you said this uh, suspected racist principal he normally I guess they print out the schedule for substitute teachers but he didn't do that he writes yours out uh, by hand those little breaches in procedure uh, I think are important uh, because sometimes that just shows uh, the lack of respect as opposed to the normal, you know, they have a protocol, you know, about how we do things. Eh, we just got some nigger, I don't, yeah, get write this out myself for this little nigger. Those type of things I think are important. And then particularly you see, you know, how it's manifest uh, where, you know, it's an emergency. We got a runaway coon here. What is going on? Uh, just, and incidentally, I have said that if you, you know, uh, we talked about not trying to leave food in the refrigerator when my schedule was given today. Oh, okay. Well, if you could just let me know. I'll be where I'm supposed to be at the appointed time. Don't want to cause any mischief. But that sort of thing. And I mean, how welcome do I feel as a first time, you know, sub at this school? You know, I'm getting calls that I'm reprimanded. You know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be as though I'm AWOL when I'm just sitting on my lunch. How is that? How great is that for my digestion? That's why we're having the yoga retreat. How great is that for my digestion? I'm just trying to sit and eat and oh, got pack up everything and run back inside. Yes, I'm right here. And then I've been accused. We always getting accused of something. Now I'm accused of, you know, absconding. Uh, going back and up to the first situation, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, I am CPR certified, right? Uh, and so it's what, there's things you're supposed to have, right? Yeah, I mean, even at a, uh, a yoga studio, they're supposed to have an emergency kit. And they tell you, you know, go check it and make sure that they have, you know, all the things that they need. If they have uh, Nathan has asthma, all that's supposed to be on file, you know? Make sure, you know, we get to lunch. Don't, no, no, no soy milk. Susie's got that allergy. That's all supposed to be known by the, the instructors and everything. Got asthma medication or if it's, you know, whatever you need. Your inhaler, all that's supposed to be, bam-o, right there. To not have that, like, that should be a lawsuit, uh, I would think. That's the first thing I was thinking. Uh, and then all of that, uh, his, this white principal's response uh, to the staff member was trying to let a child is choking, you know. I was thinking... I was thinking I would call 911. Like, if it got to the point the child is turning blue and, you know, can't talk, can't breathe, like, man, that, that's what I learned in uh, CPR training. Like, when it gets to that point, like, if I ask, are you okay, and you can't respond, you can't breathe, like, oh, no, no guesswork. It's just 911 at that point. Got a child, and this is a child, too, like, and get this uh, victim and just, you know, calm down. This is a stressful situation, you know, child and cardiac arrest type thing, you know. Uh, let's let's go over here. Let's try to breathe. You try to breathe so we don't have two people that are struggling to breathe. Take some deep breaths. 
this absolutely needs to be documented uh, because some people could be at fault here. That's what I was thinking. This could be a lawsuit. Uh, let's document, you know, what happened. Let's document what happened, what he said, all of this. Let's make sure we get this recorded because this for sure is an incident. And that might be the type of thing with those type of reports. Make sure you save a copy for yourself. Uh, photocopy it. Everybody has a phone now, so you can whammo, pull out your phone, take a picture you have. So I want to make sure that I am trained to make sure that I'm doing the correct thing if this should happen again. Hopefully it won't. But to make sure, and to make sure, did we do everything correct? We didn't have a pump there. That seems like it shouldn't be. Uh, what, what's, what's, what's the code to make sure that we have a pump and, and any other medical procedures? Maybe we need additional medical training. Great time to ask for training. Great time to ask for training. Maybe we need it for the whole staff. But that would definitely be it. If you have a child that almost dies as, as in that type of medical emergency, oh, yeah. We need extra training, right? But excellent job pulling her aside, managing motions. I put that in the description every time every time manage emotions manage emotions let's follow logic and figure out what's the best thing that needs to be done here excellent job uh, helping out another victim of racism which can be dicey but great report if it's going to be submitted uh, any other any uh, folks have any suggestions I know we have a lot of uh, educators uh, who listen in any suggestions comments oh Gus one more thing young academic Gus all right, so an another thing that I'm finding out with this principal, I am trying to keep my, uh, with, I forget the name of it, but I am trying to keep my uh, my work profile updated but because uh, they just hired, I, this is my after-school job, and uh, the, I'm finding out that the white principal is acting like petty. Uh, he'll walk in a room, and he'll talk to everyone else, right, but won't acknowledge my presence. An incident of this was uh, last week, when they just hired in the sense that uh, she's a, a black female principal at this school, which is rare, okay? They hired her, and this is a, a all probably a black and uh, brown, black and uh, Hispanic school. And uh, they hired her, and she uh, walks in the building, and it's after school hours, and I'm standing there. And uh, he, the principal asks me where my other boss was, and then he, uh, I told him that, my other boss wasn't in the building. Then he uh, introduces the black principal to every single person in the room except me. And uh, they turn and they go away. So I decided just, you know what, I'm just going to, uh, it was time for me to leave. So I was like, I'm not even going to even pay attention to this. I'm just going to just mind my business and just take head home. But, uh, yeah. You my wife context of white supremacy much obliged young academic I think that is very common as well uh, the not acknowledging a black person I think uh, a caller in Florida at the courthouse had an example it was a new black person that got hired and they ignored the new black person that got hired they normally I guess do that same tacky procedure where they go around and oh everybody this is our new employee Ned everybody say hi to Ned uh, and they just totally ignored the black new hire like they in fact they went around and introduced white people that were not who new hires and then just ignored the black person who was the new hire so that is extremely common and pr I mean, uh, of going to introduce greetings my name is blah 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 wish you the best uh, to a new person there but tat <laughs> person already wrote it in doesn't get any better than tacky uh, any 
folks with suggestions, uh, thoughts on young academic situation before we get to other callers? Grand, if you think of anything as we are uh, proceeding with the broadcast, you can share. Uh, other folks who dialed in that we have missed totally, uh, if you have your own situation, proceed. Yes, sir. Um, I think last time I called me was like about two months ago, so that's how long I've been on this assignment. And um, <laughs> can't get no better than trash. I mean, tacky. So um, I think um, last week, being Toronto, mentioned something about when you first um, enter into employment um, to a new uh, a new job or a new situation, and you kind of know what you're looking for. You can start to see, like, um, you know, who to stay away from. Uh, you know, you can see it real quick. You know, once you once you um, you know, when you're going and knowing what you're looking for. So um, a couple of instances um, throughout this two-month process, and I mean, it's almost like every other day it's like just, just some sort of just tackiness. So the first incident was um, this one particular guy, one particular white guy at work. Uh, he comes off like that... Um, that nice, oh, so Christian. Yeah, he just just wants to help every time he sees you. So, you know, when you're truck driving, you're in a training, so you have to spend, like, days, you know, you know, maybe two or three days, all day pretty much in a truck with, with this random stranger, this random guy. So you sit up there having a conversation, and, uh, you know, we were talking. Uh, well, it wasn't really a conversation. He was just... I, we were talking about the job, and for some strange reason, um, some kind of way, he asked me where I was from. I guess from my accent or whatever. So I told him, yeah, I'm from New Orleans or whatever. So he said, um, did you come out here with that Katrina thing um, a couple of years ago? I was like, yeah. Oh, well, um, I had a buddy of mine um, said that the, uh, the refugees um, from New Orleans were going down the street to a Dr. Pepper warehouse stealing and trying to take showers in the warehouse, breaking in the warehouse, trying to steal and take showers. And I looked at him with this, this look. That was it. And I just, I was like, I can't believe it. I said, I have never heard such I said, I've never heard that in my life since I've been out here. I said, I've never heard that story. Oh, well, yeah, he said it was true. Um, but, you know, a few bad apples um, won't, you know, could spoil a bunch sometimes. And I was like, <laughs> what's up with this dude, man? Like, you know, like, I, like where did that come from? So then I <laughs> add more and more and more. Um it's it's only about maybe like three non-white black employees that work there in the daytime along with me. So it's this um this one particular white guy he works in the office, and um, he's like a big sports guy. So every time he comes in, I mean, um, every time I come in, um, he's like you know hiding behind his desk or talking to one of his other little you know friends or whatever, and they talk about sports a lot, and um. I walk in and they're talking about football. 
And um, the first thing he was talking about a guy, um, a guy plays football, an older guy, whatever. And he was describing this guy's um, this guy's physique, like to a T. And the first thing I thought of was the delectable Negro. And I just, you know, because you have to sit there and clock in and stuff. I just kind of sat there and I pulled one of their numbers. I was just eavesdropping. I didn't even let them know I was there. And just the the, the commentary that they were just talking about this, this, this guy, I was like, this is, this is sick. So um, then finally, once he noticed I was there, they kind of just, you know, hurry up and had that, like, kind of like, you know, like that 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 look on their face, like, oh, you know, I wanted to hear this or whatever. But I didn't say nothing. I just got my stuff and I just walked out and I just, you know, just when I got to him all by myself, I was just shaking my He posted just like this news um, newsletter talking about safety and stuff like that. So by me being a new employee, of course he has my name in the letter, but he miss um he misspells my name. But the like I can I can deal with a typo, but the way that um that the, the spelling of my name was um was in this letter, to me it seemed like this was done intentionally because I was looking at like there's enough documentation around here with the correct spelling of my name, you know, just just all over. Like, I'm looking at the mailbox with the correct spelling of my name. Like, it's enough documentation around here with the correct spelling of my name for you to put a newsletter on the front of the office where, you know, other drivers come in and look at this. I thought it was done intentionally. So I didn't make a scene, and I don't know if I was all cool by this, but I just walked up to it while, you know, nobody was looking, and I took a pen, and I scratched out, the um, incorrect spelling of my name, and I dug a hole so deep in it to where you could, you would have to pull the letter down to re to 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 correct it. So that that's what I did, and I didn't mention anything about it. Nobody came to me and said anything, so I just you know, hey, they don't say you know, nobody tell me nothing. I ain't gonna say nothing. And I haven't had I, you know, I haven't heard anything um, about it since then. Um, another thing I've been doing, um, I've been um. When I first started, I said I was going to have me a strategy. Um, I wasn't going to um, do a lot of talking to um, – just wasn't just going to do a lot of talking, period, because I know in my last assignment, I kind of um, – I started thinking back about the mistakes I made um, being there and, you know, trying to correct that. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do a lot of talking. But for some strange reason, at this particular company, they have to make themselves like they want, like they have to tell me something. So I don't know by me, like, you know, kind of being like maybe like the only black guy on the day shift, myself and another guy. I don't know if they're doing that to him. I I, I don't ask him, but for, to me, they're coming to me every day. God pulls me in the office um, just to want to have a random conversation about what do I do outside the job? Um for like extra, like, you know, they have fun outside the job, extracurricular activities outside the job. And I'm like, I said, man, I don't do anything outside the job but try to solve problems. Like that is, I'm like, that's it. He like, you don't, you don't um, go to church or sing in the choir. <laughs> I, said, I don't even look like that type of guy. Like, nah, man, I don't, I don't do none of that. Like, what, you know, I said, you know, is that something that you do? Oh, no, you know, I, I do, um, you know, a bunch of other different things. Um, are you into sports? 
Nah, I am into sports, but to him, all right, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm aloof. Like, I don't do anything. I say, the only thing I do is pay bills and try to solve problems. That's it. <laughs> so that conversation in, ended, like, you know, real quick. And um, he <laughs> it's a bunch of more stuff, but I, that, that's all I have for right now. I mute my line. <laughs> Love the word strategy. Uh, when you go into a workplace, you want to have a strategy, synonym for code, about what you want to do. Uh, this is not an environment where you just want to be talking off the cuff, rambling. This is not the time to be, you know, loquacious with whites or non-white people. You want to be very precise with what you say and particularly that sort of conversation that's when you should be prepared for when they start you know trying to get into your background and what do you do where did you grow up tell us about your parents how's your wife you already have thought out this is how much I'm willing to share you already have a strategy about what you're gonna say when this comes up and it's going to be concise because this is not going to be a long five-hour conversation. Let me I was just waiting to tell you all about my life. Uh, and they might press you. They might come back with a few more and you just stick to, I've already thought this through. This is what I'm willing to share and that's it. Try to solve problems. Pay bills. Love it. <laughs> Wait a minute. You don't, you don't sing in the choir? You don't go to church? You know, just try to solve problems, pay bills, make sure I'm here on time for another day. Love it. Well, one more thing, Gus. Mm-hmm. One more thing, Gus. Um, I give my, I give them two minutes. Um, and um, I try to, um, so if they come to ask me a question or something like that, I, I keep my watch on. As soon as they, as soon as they ask the first question, I give a glance. I look down. Yeah, I let them talk. I let them talk. Thanks to the crowd, you know, become a listener and just let them speak. Just let them get out all what they got to get out. When that two minute mark come, I start moving. So while they're talking, I'm moving like, <laughs> like moving around, walking back. Like I start walking back. Start, you know, like just getting out the way, and then I. Get, once I look again, I'm out. I say, well, I'll holler at y'all, you know, when I get back. Uh, give me the assignment. Give me the next assignment when I get back. And I just try to keep it moving. Like, and that will be my, my, my advice to anybody that works at a desk, all of the, um, the, um, the ladies on the line, um, the, all the guests. If you're at a desk and they start talking, man, just start acting like you're doing something. Act like you got to get up and go to the copy machine. Start moving the stapler around and just, 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 just try to keep it moving. And I think that, I think that help. I think that's helping me a lot. And you know, that's it. Excellent strategy. Uh, move, uh, and that can be. You can just walk to the bathroom. A lot of that's always an easy one. Up. Oh been drinking that water getting ready for the summertime so I can be hydrated just runs right through me I'll talk to you later all right always an easy one there you uh, can do your pretend smoke hopefully we don't have any smokers but you can do that one it's lots of excuses up gotta run gotta get up we'll have to catch up later I'll talk to you later anything just move 
do not allow if you and I love that looking at the watch you have a limited amount of time and I have told certain uh, cows listeners if you know it's a white person and they're consistently coming up and just talking to you about nonsense this is not you know let me talk about your family or blah 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 this is not let's talk about a project I'm just coming to talk to you about total inanity you know how many chipmunks do you think can fit on a branch I mean just not feel free to tell them I have a lot of work to do I don't have time to talk with you right now that one doesn't even require a movement that just a few words great to see you Bob but I have a lot of work to do I just don't have time to talk with you right now if you have something work related you can let me know but other than that I just can't talk to you right now we'll catch up later uh, with a few of the other tidbits that you shared uh, I am sorry just taking a moment to respective you know you were dislocated uh, with Hurricane Katrina we spent a lot of uh, time discussing the terrorism around that uh, white people use that as an opportunity to kill and displace a whole lot of black people uh, in Louisiana and elsewhere uh, but massive incident of terrorism that said <clears throat> talk about mental health that said if I were in a situation, I think Thomas in New York and some others have subscribed to a similar theory and a white person made a comment like that in a workplace, uh, I might just take them up and go all the way with the joke. He says, oh, man, where, where are you from? Oh, my goodness, you're one of those uh, Katrina looters. Wow. You know, my, my pal, he said that uh, some of you looters, that they, they broke into a Dr. Pepper facility. And they were just, you know, stealing sodas and, and trying to take showers in the facility. Did you hear about that? I tell him, I wasn't able to take a shower. But 15 years later, I'm still drinking Dr. Pepper. In fact, bring your case tomorrow. Walk all the way into it. I'm a coon as hard as you can. You can't take that one on the job. That could be another one where you give them a, hmm. Either or, but that is one I would probably take the former. Absolutely. Bring in a Dr. Pepper tomorrow. Didn't get that shower, but man, my Dr. Pepper my Dr. Pepper stash is loaded. Anyway, uh the talking about nonsense or not talking about nonsense, talking about sports. I'm gonna be specific. Talking about sports, I think again, Thomas in New York and several other cows listener, cows listeners have taken the stance that I think is logical. I'm never talking about sports. I don't care if you memorize every statistic, you know every date of Stephen Curry's three-point field goals, you know all of Eli Manning's statistics. I don't care what it is. No sports in the workplace. That is uh, just ripe for a lot of racist antics. Uh, and just in general, in a system of white supremacy, where we're in a job where you have racists, individuals classified as white, who conceal constructive information all the time from black people, from non-white people, but black people especially, uh, it's something especially tacky uh, and incorrect that you're going to come in here and that's all you have to talk to me about is sports. No thank you. Uh, we're going to be you, we want to give off the impression we are serious. I'm not here to talk to you about sports, entertainment, none of that nonsense. We're here to do a serious job. I'm here to talk about serious things. No sports in the workplace. I think our uh, truck driver in Houston said that himself. Not, you know, 
going to talk about this nonsense with you all. Observe, though, talking about the physique, I think that is common. We've heard that from a number, number of folks. You can probably observe the same thing in your workplace if you have uh, whites around and they are commenting uh, about athletics and what have you. Oh, yeah, you can learn a lot about white supremacy, racism, and you will probably hear a lot of those type of uh, remarks, delectable Negro uh, type things, homoeroticism. But strategy uh, in the workplace, have a strategy so that you're not surprised, uh, you're ready, even when they come with the, you know, you're a Katrina looter type thing. I'm not surprised about that either. Prepared for it, you have strategy ready for that as well. You can break out your journal and write that down. Uh, much obliged, truck driver in Houston. Two minutes. You got two minutes to run off and talk. After that, I start moving. Context of white supremacy. The number again is 605-313-5164. The code 564 943 pound. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, please do not wait till the last minute. Uh, people have been spectacular at that uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, waiting in, um, we have about five minutes, sometimes three minutes left in the broadcast to get a hand up. Please try to speak up before then. Before we shovel off to other commentary, I did want to say about that name. Uh, I almost forgot one with the truck driver in Houston. Uh, they got a tacky newsletter apparently down in Houston, just like they do in Florida at the courthouse, uh, that they weaponized the newsletter. Uh, and so they had their tacky newsletter. They're, oh, we're going to welcome the newcomers. We got a new Negro on the job. And then they misspell his name. Uh, exact conclusion that he came to that sort of thing would have to be deliberate and in my view we got way too many illustrations and I mean we just got an overflowing number of incidents uh, of black people males and females who have reported not spelling my name correctly sending out you know mass company emails to everybody and my name is misspelled uh, just it happening on a constant basis where there's no excuse for this my name is spelled correctly in the company directory my email has my name on it spelled correctly every time I mean what is the problem <laughs> like you could copy and paste you don't even have to type it out you could literally copy and paste my correctly spelled name for this email for the newsletter whatever it is that was too difficult nobody could spell check let's make sure we got everybody's names back oh we misspelled the coons name let's let's go back and get that right don't want him to get you know a chimp out on us here in the workplace we couldn't even do that all that doesn't get any better than tacky I would expect that sort of thing and I would point that out uh, I think that's always that is uh, mandatory in my view I think Dr. Francis Cress Welsing she would say that is black self-respect to point that out every time if they are uh, mispronouncing your name if they are misspelling your name whatever it is that is uh, a massive act of white supremacy racism massive dis, uh, disrespect discourtesy spell my name correctly uh, every employee I mean that's bare we're bare minimum standards here <laughs> we're not asking for a million dollar raise have my name spelled correctly pronounce my name correctly every time much obliged doesn't get any better than tacky uh, other folks who dialed in uh, if you have if you have any folks have uh, suggestions 
uh, thoughts on what has been shared thus far. You can get those in if you have any, you know, how you would try to deal with any of those situations. Uh, if you have your own situation you would like to share, that's fine as well. Uh, always, if folks have any form of codification strategy to help solve problems in the workplace without creating new problems, to help neutralize some of these incidents before they even happen, that's the sort of thing we need. Please share. Uh, with the, uh, with the last caller, uh, the, uh, initial question of where you from, uh, as far as my thinking, uh, I would, uh, consider on the position of the person who's asking me, uh, if they are lateral to me. Uh, they wouldn't. They, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give them an answer to it. I could. I, I would ask them, well, why would you want to want to know where I'm from? Uh, uh, if it is a person in a supervisory position, uh, they may want to know it for some sort of job reasoning. Uh, but regardless of either of the two examples, uh, had they uh, mentioned that. Uh, perceivably insulting remark afterwards, I would have, that would have been a great time not to respond at all and just walk right past the person, you know, if, and would not give any uh, uh, expression at all, you know, as far as what he or she heard about the people from New Orleans, uh, you know, as far as that concern. Uh, uh, yes, and, and it did sound like he, he did have a, a lot of codification and uh, keep up the good work as far as that concern. Always good to have a plan in the work environment. That's it. Always good to have a plan in the system of white supremacy, especially the work environment. Uh, much obliged, retired firefighter. Uh, other folks, uh, any thoughts on uh, what we have heard thus far, uh, or if you have uh, your own situation, uh, line should be open. Again, if we uh, have a hand up, uh, please make sure you are not waiting until the last five minutes or so to participate. Hello, Maggie Hurd. Uh, greetings, Irie. Hi, everybody. Hi, Gus. Um, I wasn't able to tune in until now, but um, I did hear somebody was talking about people from New Orleans. So I guess I'll just, you all don't have to recap it. I'm I'm going to wait for this to post online so I could hear what that is because, yeah, I, I, I could imagine. Um, uh, but I tell you what, I will mute my line, and then when I get in a more secluded place, I do want to share uh, two things. Thank you. Much obliged. Yes, uh, New Orleans Katrina was mentioned. So <laughs> you already know. You, uh, you all, your looting history has not been forgotten. Uh, anyway, uh, while she is getting to a more secluded area uh, for other folks, uh, have questions, uh, comments they would like to 
share. I was trying to think I had workplace racism uh, to share related to the yoga retreat, which I guess I will uh, in uh, trying to get all of that organized. I guess planning. Make an effort to try to give yourself as much time as possible uh, to plan uh, because in a system of racism, white supremacy, like you just, there's, there are so many opportunities for incorrect things uh, to happen. Like with the honeypot situation that was brought up already, black entrepreneur, there's so many, uh, just racism, white supremacy. Like in, in things where you go about and it should work fine, you get an advertising campaign, it should be fine, and then whammo, racism, white supremacy. Now you have to respond to this. So try to give yourself a little bit more time so that you don't have to feel constrained and that you're doing it, as they say, last minute. Uh, because, man, when you are in a crunch and you're trying to do something uh, under really difficult time constraints and then racism white supremacy intervenes wow uh, I mean it can just be woof. Uh, it can make a, a situation nearly impossible uh, as opposed to if you give yourself a little bit more time uh, to plan things out uh, to organize when the racism white supremacy intervenes like you're planning in advance that there's going to be some racism so that might you know something that should only take a day to do might end up taking two days three days because of racism white supremacy so that's already planned in then if it doesn't happen great we're ahead of schedule no problem and if it does boop, that was already factored in so we got some leeway to help get through that that can be super helpful that is one thing that I can say as a difference uh, as an event planner uh, planning a yoga retreat Basically doing it 30 days to plan is very different doing a yoga retreat, planning it where you have three months to plan. Very, very different. Racism intervenes. Eh, we still have another 90 days. No big deal. Try to plan things out so that you can give yourself lots of time to get things done. That is not always possible, but you want to try as much as you can so that you're not procrastinating you have ample time to get things done we nobody has a, a, a infinite amount of time and energy uh, so really try to value your time and energy uh, and give yourself ample time uh, to get projects completed especially if they are important projects uh, other folks uh, who dialed in if you have comments to share uh, line should be open proceed comments suggestions May I be heard? Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to start out with uh, there was uh, two policies that was uh, displayed to us in an email before the meeting today. Uh, one, I think this is the most controversial one about electronic communications because, once again, I think uh, the email messaging has a lot of white supremacist content, images, and messages uh, primarily involving the click. And it may be more extensive than I thought it was, but it's of no surprise to me because 
uh, every person who's classified as white is, is to be suspected being a racist. I, I'm not sure who is doing it, but it's like I said, uh, I guess it's like an army, one versus an army. So we talking about 15 to 25 people somewhat changing their behaviors and trying to be nice. Uh, so I'm like, Hmm, could it be you? Could it be you? Could it be you? Could it be you? And when apparently the context of this is that the warden apparently was upset at a meeting that's being reported to me about that at the end of it, like I mentioned before, she came out saying that, hey, you know, we could get sued for being racist and we can get sued for discrimination. So this is going to stop with these emails. So the body language of a lot of clique members were, um, you know, chin down to their chest, looking down or looking away. Uh, but the black people didn't look that way. So you already have your suspects right there. Uh, so which leads me to this morning, this policy was mentioned and she said, does anybody have any questions? And I, and you know, and I didn't ask a question because I didn't want to ask it on their terms. You know, uh, there's another way that I do it. Uh, and then the head person wasn't there. He's been out for the week. So everybody looked at me. Okay. And I, I have folded my arms. I looked to the ceiling, you know, pulling on my goatee. Like, Oh Lord, what is it? You know, what is he going to say? I didn't say anything. Um, because I, I needed to get the full context of the policy and the term defamatory was used. No defamatory emails shouldn't be sent because people can request public records of county employees. Now, why would, you know, why would, uh, why would us employees be concerned about what's being sent in the email. I mean, we work at a government office, so it must be something incorrect or unjust or questionable being sent. You know, that's what I'm thinking or whatever. So I hadn't necessarily sat down with anybody to talk about this yet, but apparently uh, I wanted to start out with that, with the emails because she said that she had to look through 700, 700 emails and she she used the word racist in reference to these emails. So obviously everybody's white. Now I don't know the names of the people, but it's a whole it's it's in the entire office, and these are people that I'm working with on a day to day basis. But once again, it's of no surprise. So that's that's going to be another uh, thing I'm going to be looking into examine it. And my next one is I actually have some compare and contrast because I think that's important. Uh, the first is with the people that are being hired or uh, there was a one person that was hired for a switchboard. 
operator where the uh, the white woman uh, I think was stigmatized, you know, white sacrifice. Or, uh, I, I termed it to the supervisor selective stigmatizing. And uh, she was replaced apparently by a white woman. But before that, I had a conversation with the supervisor and she said that there was a, um, a lady that came to the front counter and it's been reported to me that this is a black female. So she said she was wanting this person to get the position. Uh, and apparently she said that the warden didn't want to give her the time of day. Uh, you know, and I guess she's looking for the quote unquote best fit. Cause you know, I tried to listen to her exact words. So now I go from that one to, uh, after this white woman is hired, I had another conversation, you know, how's the new people doing? All right. And she says that, well, you know, uh, I wish I would have got more time to spend with her at the, at the beginning because the warden just totally just, she just hired her from interviews that she didn't get the job for at the other building. So, um, white power being practiced, white supremacy, giving the, the white woman, uh, another job that she didn't even apply for just to give her, you know, just to fill a slot. Didn't even get in contact with the, uh, supervisor white woman by the way so i'm like that seems unprofessional right she said yes but yet the person that she was talking about uh wanting to get the job black female and she was totally you know denied you know no surprise uh and i have another set of two compare contrast events uh there was a white female that was having, that was in an index meeting. Uh, she was told to shut up uh, in front of everyone by the non-black female that says that tries to be white. And this is evidence of who turned out to be the white person. So the white woman that was told to shut up, everyone was, well, at least on the on, on the end that I work at, they were uh, showing sympathy and concern. Like, who are you talking to? One, the, the uh, black female said, who are you talking to? You know, we don't speak to anyone like that. That's unacceptable. You wouldn't do this on that side or whatever. Okay. So I'm over here and I'm like, yeah, that's incorrect. You don't speak to no one like that. Okay, now... Fast forward to about a few days ago. Uh, we're all sitting in the research area. And the white woman, a click member, let me add that. She comes in and she just, she puts on that dialect. Uh, oh, where my breakfast? Where, where my breakfast at? to the, to the uh, black female. So she kind of hesitates to respond like what? <laughs> and she asked again, where my breakfast at? So 
She's like, oh, well, you pass by the breakfast places all the time. You should be bringing us breakfast or something. And so they get into a little chat. Black male walks in, the same one that, you know, that was mistreating me. She says to him, oh, you got my, you got any breakfast? You don't got no breakfast. Get out. Get out. So he says, oh, who, who are you? You must be from Texas. And they start trying to rationalize what that meant. Now, I understood what that means, in my opinion. But nobody said a word to me. I just overheard all of this. So a white woman, once again, being dominant, still just taking over the entire social environment, continuing to talk, even though the guy came in to speak to to uh, black ladies. And she ends up leaving. And the black male comes back in. And he's like, dang, where, where is she from? Is she from Texas? He says it again. So what I noticed is that the manager, the black uh, lady, she starts trying to rationalize the behavior. She's like, well, she was just asking you, where's her breakfast? But he was like, but she hardly even speaks to me when I come down here. You know, he was hit, you know, he was hurt, you know? Um, and she's like, well, you know, you didn't say, did you say anything to her? Which didn't make any sense to me, but she was continuing to say that, well, she usually eats her breakfast in the morning or she stops to get breakfast. She was just a little off today. Now this same person was saying, oh, well, who are you talking to? One person, the white woman got told to shut up. And then her reaction was, oh, we don't talk that way. You don't talk to people like this. This is unacceptable. But the black guy comes in and is told to get out if you don't have any breakfast, which is extremely rude and racist. It's, oh, well, she was off today. Now, you see that, that difference in behavior right there? And then you have the white person, another white person, the same one I was told to shut up, is capitalizing off of the confusion. Okay, um... And the black male looks at me and says, how do I feel about it? And before I was about to give a response, he says, oh, well, yeah, I was on earbuds. So I didn't say anything. So just to end real quick, um, I did something psychological. I asked a white woman because <laughs> I, what I did was I documented it. All right. And I plan to speak on it another time. So I, I said, can I speak to you for a little bit? You know, and everybody saw it. And then we went in the office, and the same white woman that said that, she was like, oh, Lord, what is he going in there about? So we closed the door, and then I talk, I asked her questions about being a supervisor, you know, because, see, they're thinking I'm going to talk about the report, see? But I was asking her questions about what she does as a supervisor, but they're thinking that I'm on my report once again. So I plan to speak with the uh the head person once they get back. And uh, that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Woo. Man, I'm done. I had the the image when the female caller dialed in and was talking about her son and she said that her son went to go and talk to his supervisor and the white man came and followed behind and was eavesdropping. I had that same type image, like, What? Is he going to 
he's going to talk. <laughs> I had the same image in my mind when he went to go and talk to the uh, supervisor. Whew. Anyway, uh, I'm backtracking a little bit. So the victim, the black male, when he comes in and this white woman says, where's my breakfast at? You don't have my breakfast. Then get on out of here. Uh, that this is the same uh, victim who like makes it a pattern of like making snide comments uh, about you at the courthouse. Is this is this the same fella? Yes, sir. The same guy. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, you could even draw some parallels there, like some of the ways that he has talked to you before. I don't know if he talks to all of the white people. Uh, in the courthouse like have you seen him like some of the comments and things that he said to you have you seen him say those same type of things to white people who work there I have not not to that same degree and then he I've heard um, say certain other comments to uh, other black people and you know about the kind of clothes they wear and their appearance if it's shoddy or anything like that and we'll do it around other people to cause humiliation okay so that same person uh this this woman white woman just did it like it was nothing and just said you know get out <laughs> he came back he walked out and came back when he saw that she was gone as though if she was still in there he would have avoided walking back in and that's you know obviously because of white power um and she totally dominated the area. Always good to compare and contrast, especially because, I mean, I, I have been around uh, that point. He said about uh, a black person, a victim of racism, trying to humiliate another black person uh, as someone who lived in Atlanta uh, and has lived in other areas with a high population of black people. That seems to be a common characteristic of victims of racism, like working to humiliate uh, another black person. Uh, to see someone who often, like bullies, humiliates other black people, to then see them in the presence of a suspected race soldier. Where's the bully at? Like, you know, why, why don't you have that same sort of crass humor and the way that you talk to us, talk to her that same way? Breakfast? Mm -hmm. Who you think you're talking to? I saying, I mean, let her have it the same way that you. Like, what is this? You, I know you're not. I know you're not fitting to leave. I know you're not. Fitting to leave. You can even. That might, Mister Fuller said, that might be when he would have a question. Like, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, uh, Paul, you mind if I ask you a question? Now, we come in here every day. And you sit around and call us names and, you know, man, you sure do look shabby. And I can't believe you came in here wearing that. Where'd you buy that suit from? And, blah, blah, blah. and all of this. And you just go at, now, why don't you talk that way to these, why, why did not you talk to that way to that white woman? She asked you about her breakfast and you didn't do all that. What was, what's the deal? You afraid of her? He said he actually did that. He would ask if he noticed, if he saw that, you know, it'd be black people that would be a whole lot of mouth with other black employees. They didn't have that mouth with white people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to ask one of these days and see what they say. Woo! And see if they have any mouth when that question comes up, when they give the response. Like, woo! <laughs> Always question white people, but from time to time, 
I do have a question for a victim of racism. If they, you know, have got on my nerves for the day, I might have one question. Uh, but anyway, always great to compare uh, and contrast what happens in a workplace. You got someone who is racially ambiguous, maybe trying to be white. And they tell someone, behave. that's why I say you can just pick out. I think most of us, we know what is acceptable conduct in the workplace. Telling somebody, shut up, meh, that's probably not something you should be doing in a workplace setting. We know that generally. Telling somebody to get out, <laughs> that's probably, unless you all have a rapport, uh, it shouldn't be where, we don't even talk. I come in here and she doesn't even talk to me. <laughs> now she's telling me to go get her probably not want to be joking around with somebody if you don't have that sort of rapport you all haven't been kicking it for the last three or four years maybe you all actually go get breakfast from time to time so this is you know no big deal uh we know what's acceptable for the workplace uh, i don't know the full context of the shut up thing if she thought she was joking or what have you if she was really thinking that she was white and you know was going to flex but yeah even to see other black people intervening to point out you know hey you don't talk that way mm -hmm. in the workplace like wow like to totally shut that down and then to see some of these same victims when a black male is to get out of here you didn't bring my breakfast you get on out of here right now like well you know she was just a little ear of a <laughs> like wow <laughs> like why isn't it just hey we don't we don't talk that way to employees around here you and him are not friends you don't know him like that to be telling him to get out of here like what's wrong with you powerful very bad. Mr. Fuller said that you can learn a lot just observing things that happen in the workplace. It is amazing. Uh, let's see. With the, oh, the phone situation. Man, oh man. Uh, if whoever had to go through uh, 700 emails to, you know, yeah. decipher and come, man, freedom of information. Uh, can can we possibly get those 700 emails uh, since it's public information? Is it possible that we could get those 700? I would love to see what emails prompted a change in policy. Like it was so bad we had to have a meeting and be scolded about different. I mean, they don't even have meetings about cell phone policy. You report people playing on the cell phone all the time, and that's against policy and procedure, and they don't even call people in to wrangle them and harass them about that. Like, dang, we had to change policy and procedure and call for that. Look at here. We're not going to have any more of this. This is public information. People can see what you've been saying. Getting on here and coon this nigga that. This is done. Like, what? Yeah, freedom of information. I would like the, the 700 emails. I would love to see what has been said. What has the click been up to? Uh, with the phone, that's all I can say. It would have to be rife. I would have to come to the same conclusion. It would have to be rife with injustice, unjust networking, racist comments. That's all it could be. Probably talking about some of the coworkers plotting what they're going to put in this person's water. Why is this person coming in to reply? I mean, that's what it would have to. And 700 of them. In fact, I'd like to see just for the amount of time and energy, like these phones are supposed to be for court business I would think like this is not gabbing about you know I don't like that coon down the hallway and that you know nigger in office here and I mean how much time are we spending talking about this nonsense and how much of this or excuse me how much of this is devoted to racism white supremacy and unjust networking and how much of this is actual like court business that another compare and contrast to see how much time and energy and where it's being invested at but yeah I would love to get 
uh, the 700 emails. And they didn't say words. They said uh, defamatory. Yeah. They didn't say racist, white supremacist. They didn't even say, you know, discriminatory or any of the other little, you know, nonsense verbs, uh, terms that they will throw out uh, when they're talking about white supremacy racism being practiced. Uh, deflammatory. Deflammatory rhetoric uh, being used by the clique. Uh, on these uh, phones in the workplace. I mean, if it's that bad, why isn't someone being termed? Did they go over what the the punishment will be if there's you know continued misconduct on the on the uh, phones? When I read the policy, the word that word defamatory is on the actual like document, mm. and it it says at the bottom violation of this is a group one offense. I have to go back and look at the uh, the personnel handbook from my understanding is three levels so one out of three is obviously the most like mitigated like uh, you know least amount in effect so that definitely is racist to me because it's got to show that is that much of it happening because it's another one that says uh, deletion and retention and it says by the Supreme Court that they're supposed to hold on, like retain emails from the last, I guess, three years, three fiscal years. If anybody sends out an email, they can't delete them, I guess, if it's uh, under three years old. So this is tons of racist content, I can guarantee you, because that the body language, I can sense it out of them. And they're trying to, you know, to open the doors for me and stuff like that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why your charity on behavior like this, man? They don't, and then they ain't, they ain't really doing that to the too many of the other uh, victims. So let's focus on this one, maybe two other ones. One oh, of them yeah. didn't make the meeting, so it was me and another black female. And I make sure I stand right in the front so they see me. So they wanted me to, to say something, but I said, I'm not going to do it yet. Mm. Wow. Yeah. If you, uh, Gavin DeBecker, he says, trust your instincts. Uh, if that's what you saw and the change in body language and the change in conduct and they're opening doors for you and all of this trust your it's I would file uh, to get those emails like if those if that's public record I would like to get those emails because that man you are probably all kinds of coon this and nigga <laughs> like man I would oh, get those emails like wow that would be uh, just an extraordinary uh, study and, and like I said just the time like you know even if they don't say anything about you okay they don't say anything about anybody there they're just talking about President Obama or whoever uh, a man that lost the race for uh, governor uh, Mr. Gilmore Fine. Okay. But how much time is being spent on the unjust networking and all of that? And then how much time where it's like, oh, okay, let's, we are working at the courthouse. Okay. Yeah. Uh, court related, uh, Matt. Like, even that would be fascinating. Like, why isn't that being, you know, brought like, you, we did not give you a phone to just sit around and gossip and engage in unjust networking. Or did we? I, freedom of information. Get those emails. That is gold. Three years, the last three years. Man, 
get those emails man and then see the behavior because I'm sure if uh, whoever is in charge of that right those records keeping if you make a request for the emails I suspect they would probably do some more unjust networking and let them know the Negroes got the emails oh yeah. <laughs> man there you go there you go that's it mm. I don't know if the records keeper is a part of the click, but oh, another email is going out right now. <laughs> like, oh no, the bird is, is landed. <laughs> Woo, it'll be coded. Uh, yeah, get the emails. That is, wow. I mean, anybody else, if you work on a job, because that's, you know, common. People have phones. We've had other people who call in, they have phones, you know, but they have to do texting for their jobs and things. Uh, if you work at a job, read your policy and procedure because he mentioned that too those records have to be kept uh, for I think he said three years where they have to be maintained they can't be deleted find out what your policy and procedure is for where you work on uh, emails text messages all of that find out what it is Uh, if you can access those records do so Uh, because you know it would be amazing just to see what they're saying about you what they're saying about it you would have no idea the type of information I keep saying we're in a system of racism one of the main things white people do is conceal constructive information from non-white people if you have access to see hmm what are some of the things that they're talking about when I'm not around wow it could be extremely informative get those emails anybody that works in that type of situation make a request and uh, wow you when we say reading is more important than watching television I guarantee you if you got 700 emails dumped on you by your co-workers many of whom you thought were racist that might motivate you to cramp your Netflix watching for an evening or two. I'm just going to read maybe 10. <laughs> and then I'll save the rest. I'll break it up. So I'll I'll get my Netflix, uh, Ted Bundy and all that. I'll watch that, Stranger Things. I'll do all that. I'll just do 10 emails. Why? And if you find anything juicy, it might jump on. I'll just do 30 emails a night and, and get through these. Wow. Woo. Reading is more important than watching television. Mm-hmm. Much obliged, uh, caller. In- oh, wait a minute. I had one. I had one more. The uh, they will use that language of best fit frequently because it's so vague. We talk about uh, amb- uh, ambiguous language uh, in a workplace setting uh, where best fit. It's not very descriptive. You don't have to give a lot of details about what that means. If we have a racist department, the quote unquote best fit would be to add another racist, right? We don't want somebody who is about justice. That would not be a good fit. Uh, That would not be the best fit if we have a department that's dedicated to racism, white supremacy. That's what I mean about it's just, it's purposely vague. It purposely doesn't really say anything. It's just deliberately vague language so I can practice racism. I can give an excuse to not hire this black person, this non-white person, and I don't have to tell them why. You're just not a good fit. Why? Niggers don't fit well in our department. Other folks uh, who dialed in, if you have... Hello? Irie, yes ma'am. Yes, I'm trying not to wait till last minute. (laughs) Um, yeah, that best fit thing or, you know, the ambiguous um, employment titles. Um, I think that I know the VA does that a lot because friends that I know work there tell me about stuff like that happening. And then when I applied <clears throat> for a job, um, you know, so much experience in it and everything, they send me an email back 
saying, oh, well, we didn't choose you because somebody else applied and they had a higher rank than you did when you were in, so we had to consider it, you know, give it to them. And I'm like, they probably don't even have half the things on their resume that I do. But anyhow, okay, so um, I substituted um, today, and interestingly, um, there was an exhibit of... um, it's at this actual Afrocentric or attempted Afrocentric school that I noticed, unlike any other schools in the district, doesn't have an elevator. And sometimes my knees hurt. I do try to take the stairs, but I'm like, where's the elevator? So I asked the janitor, where's the elevator? He's like, oh, we don't have one. And this is a non-white Hispanic male. I'm like, wow, every other school does. He's like, yeah, imagine how we felt in the summertime trying to get furniture and desks up three flights of stairs. I'm like, that is that's awful. So anyhow, there was an art exhibit of a young man named Titus Kafar, K-A-P-H-A-R. And what he's been doing is painting over uh, European fine art and, like, whiting out the, the white people or painting on them, like he totally painted over the Mona Lisa. I was like, go ahead, go ahead, bro. I like that. You know, so basically defacing it and, you know, challenging it. So there was pictures of that adjacent to some other artwork that really didn't catch my eye because I've seen the kids, you know, do that before. So a white male is walking in the hall behind me, white gay male, and um, he's like, oh, my God, isn't this just the best? I'm like, oh, this? He's like, yes, I just love it. So I said, well, what do you love about it? And he goes, oh, well, I really love the Basquiat crowns that the kids did. I said, aha, there we go. You don't like this. So then I said, oh, well, you said you loved it when I was looking at these. What do you think about this then? He's like, oh, it's just so interesting. And then he walked off. I was like, okay, gotcha. So then when I went to the classroom, I'm, I'm, was, I was special education, and the lady has an isolated little office or classroom where she can pull kids out. So I went in, put my stuff down, read stuff, set up, and was going to get, retrieve my first student. And white female teacher sees me, squints hard, like imagine Superman getting ready to squint when he's about to uh, use X-ray vision. That's what she reminded me of. She squints, goes, hello, can I help you? I said, oh, no, I'm good. And I walked off. And I noticed that I get that a lot when people, you know, white people can't imagine that I could possibly be there to be substituting for a teacher. It's like, can I help you? Or blah, blah, blah. So then after that, let me look at my notes. Um, yeah, so after that, later today, this is not at school. I went to U.S. Bank. I would like to put them on glass right now. And um, inquired with um, two of the employees about a business account. And so I walked in, noticed, okay, this is a line from the teller. Let me go sit over here. One of these two people in this office, because it's clear glass office walls, they're going to see me sitting here, hopefully, both were non-white people. And somebody's going to come out and say something to me. 
Well, the non-white Hispanic male walked out and was walking past me, and then I kind of waved him down and was like, hey, is somebody here to give me information about a business account? And he said, oh, she's going to do it, talking about a non-white Asian Indian female. I said, cool. So I waited. She comes over, and she goes, what's the name of your business? I tell her. And then she goes, how much money are you going to be having in the account? I tell her, but then I say, really, I just want information on your terms and conditions to have an account here. I'm not ready to open quite yet. I'm finishing with my attorney on the rest of my, you know, fiduciary paperwork. Um, Okay, well, what kind of business is it? She goes back to the question. So I'm like, okay, I don't mind. I'll I'll answer it because I'm thinking maybe it will be constructive. I'm like, I'm going to do investment in retail. It's a mixed, you know, uh, business. Oh, we don't do investments, uh, so you can't have an account here. I said, okay, that's great. I got you. No investments. I did also say retail. So then that's when, and I can't even remember because it's the end of the day. She, She went back and forth with me a little bit more. And finally, the non-white Hispanic man I flagged down comes over. He's like, what's going on, guys? You all okay? I'm like, yeah, um, just trying to get some information about how to open a business account here at your bank. That's really all I need. Then he goes into the question, what kind of business is it? That's when she jumps in and says, she's going to be doing investments. And I already told her that she can't have an account here. She's going to be doing investments. As soon as we see anything with an investment activity, your account's getting shut down. I said, you know, it's a whole lot of no's coming from you all today. I said, it's no problem. I can leave. I'll, I'll just find another bank if that's the case because I also told you that I was doing retail. And then I looked at him for his response. He said, oh, okay, well, retail is fine. That's great. He said his, he said his investment or, or the word, uh, you know, like a derivative in the name of your business. So I literally wrote it down and showed it to him and her. And just so people know, it's a corporation, not an LLC. So I, I picked LTD as my indicator at the end of the business name. So then that's when she goes, well, you, you, if you want an account, come in with this, that, a bill, you're going to need your ID, da, 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 da. I felt like I was at the food stamp office, and I'm not trying to be funny, but I did. I felt like I, I did when I, years ago when I needed food stamps, like I was getting grilled and analyzed for fleas or something. So you're going to need this, you're going to need that, da, da, da. And then what did she tell me? It was something else she told me, and I was like, you know what, I'm just not, I'm just not going to do it. And y'all have a great day, and I walked out, and I thought that was probably the most interesting part of the day. You know, that first you're feeling me out for what I'm doing, you want to make sure I have money, basically. And even if I didn't, if I tell you I'm just coming in for a business, you know, a business information or information, you could have just gave me a password. We could have kept it moving. So I'll leave my line. Thank you for um, listening, everybody. And Gus, um, the bookmarks I told you about that I wanted to make of your prayer at the end of the story, I have the money to do it and send it off to you. So if you can email me the mailing address so the company can send it straight to you, that would be great. I'll leave my line.
Wow, that's awesome. We can use those for the retreat. Um, can you drop me an email? That way I can just reply back with the information until justice at gmail dot com. Yes, sir. Awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh oh oh, we're basically uh did anybody have anything else they needed to share last minute or so before we conclude? I assume everybody is satisfied. Uh, we will be here tomorrow. Uh, compensatory call-in. We'll review what has transpired over the last week or so. Coronavirus information uh, at all. Uh, Cow's Yoga Retreat. Again, we are sold out for Toronto. Bookmarks coming. Sold out for Toronto. Uh, we are looking forward to planning for Washington, D.C. Uh, this summer, August 5th through the ninth uh, see if we can make that happen time is of the essence because they don't have a lot of locations in Washington DC so uh, we'll see if folks are interested if uh, we can maybe end the summer in the nation's capital during election season no less like we could whew, lots of things we could do in DC for the summertime August 5th through the ninth drop an email if you'd like more information details are on the blog racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com much obliged to all the folks who participated hope it was worthy of your Friday with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.